He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, May 27, 2023. Episode 150. That's a big deal on this Memorial Day weekend. When I think about the people who have sacrificed for this country, and I also think about my mother. My mother, who was a teenager during World War II, and I miss her. She died... This weekend, Shavuot. Shavuot is a Jewish holiday which commemorates our receipt of the Torah at Mount Sinai. It's a joyous holiday, and we're going to have a a joyous show because it's all me and, of course, our troubadour Dave Gunders. But this is an inflection point. This is a summer of consequence. I believe that indictments are coming against Donald J. Trump and that civil unrest is just around the corner. Of course, you could say it's already here. Fate lands me here with this podcast, episode 150, and everything changes. The show will continue. Thank you, Michael Bailey, for sponsoring every darn one of these shows so Beautifully, my other supporters, thank you too. Troubadour Dave Gunders delivers this episode with your way to a classic from an undiscovered genius. I mean, he's discovered, he plays all around Colorado, but to me, he's like Billy Joel. Billy Joel, his name will come up. Billy Joel, who I like a lot, and he stood up when Jews were being persecuted and I remember when he wore that Jewish star in Madison Square Garden. Anyway, you know what turns me on? It's issues like that. My people, Billy Joel's people, we are under threat. And for a long time there, I was on the radio. And I was a proud Jew representing. There aren't that many of us anymore on the radio, but we podcast, we broadcast, And I wrote a column for the Colorado Sun. Thank you to the Colorado Sun for publicizing my podcast and vice versa. I put my heart and my soul into every column I put out there and my podcast too, my radio broadcast before that. And this one I think is special. I've thought a lot about it. My last column for the Colorado Sun was about AM radio, really a medium that I loved and participated in. Am I biting the hand that fed me and my family? Yes. But has it gone off in a bad direction? I really think it has. But I'm going to look back on the good times and know that there are some people who I once thought had great integrity. I do know they're smart. I do know that... They can lead this community in a good direction or a bad one. And I hope 
as fellow members of the Colorado Bar, that they decide to lead in a great direction. And that's not MAGA. That's not Donald Trump. And that's the reason for my podcast and my approach today to try to get my former colleagues and buddies, guys I knew well, Dan Kaplis, holy cow, what a history we had, and then George Brockler, thinking about Peter Boyles to an extent. He's not a lawyer, but still, and he has that old Saturday time slot. Did you know last weekend he did not even mention Trump or anything really other than motorcycles and something else, uh, milk toast or innocuous? Wrestling? Mafia? I don't know. But Peter Boyles has figured out the big lie. And he's called bullshit on Mega, but now he won't talk about it. And there's some censorship going on because 710 Ken US and Randy Corcoran, who has been relegated to Saturday nights, but he's still there and now he's filling in even for Brockler in the morning. He's getting sued by Eric Coomer and Dominion. Uh, Eric Coomer, excuse me, Eric Coomer of Dominion, Eric Coomer, the Denver based manager chased out of town, according to his complaint, based on lies, the big lie, growing out of 710 Can U.S., Randy Corcoran, Joe Altman, the Peter Boyle Show, and George Brockler had him on, too. Dan Kaplis wisely stayed away. Dan's a pretty smart guy, very successful Colorado lawyer. He once had a tip with Randy Corcoran that Randy wanted me to mediate. I mean, it's odd turns in this world. Let me tell you one friendship I recently restored. It's Shavuot. Beautiful things can happen. I read in the Washington Post that Bob O'Prey had stood up to CPAC. CPAC's gone authoritarian, Matt Schlapp and his wife, both on TV, and uh, Mad Slap accused of molesting a guy during the Herschel Walker campaign. I don't care about his sexuality, but I do care that he's gone full MAGA. And according to Bob, in a letter that leaked out, the finances are amiss at CPAC. CPAC that traveled to Orban's Hungary and uh, made, you know, broke bread with authoritarians. And you can read my Colorado Sun column on that. Authoritarianism is horrible for Jewish people and all people. We're just canaries in the coal mine. Anyway, Bob O'Prey stood up to it, and I bet his wife Claudia had some input there. And I spoke with Bob and told him I was proud, and he told me when he's willing to come on the air and talk about it, my podcast has a shot. George Brockler has reached out, too. I admire people who will stand up to Donald Trump and MAGA. And yes, George Brockler's in a tough spot, a Republican leader. The base loves Trump. And to an extent, he stands up, and I have the sound to prove it. He is not a big Trump backer. Not like Dan Kaplis. Holy cow. Sometimes I think Dan's trying out for the next administration. He talked about wanting to be the press spokesperson And how many people are left to have those jobs? Dan's given full contributions. I looked that up. He's full MAGA. 
Back in the day, Dan said Trump was the his last choice among the 17 running. As for me, I've got no room to talk because back in the day, I said, I'm going to go through the candidates. I'm going to start by eliminating them one by one. And on the air, I did that. And I started with Donald Trump because it was right after Pamela Geller was almost assassinated in Texas after a Drum Muhammad contest. And the next day, Trump went on TV and he said, she's a big mouth and uh, she should keep her mouth shut. And she incited the whole thing. I thought, gosh, that's insensitivity to a, a victim of attempted murder. Fortunately, she did not get hurt. Now, as it turned out, Pamela Geller, who I once liked and had did a lot of radio with, now she's full MAGA. So she's forgiven Trump, and eventually I guess I did because I'm the schmuck who supported him in 2016. And I was on Denver Trump Radio till I made a break, and they made a break with me. I really saw some sad truths. I mean, it came to a head for me in Charlottesville. And after that, I went on Nine News, I went elsewhere, and I took a lot of crap for it on the radio, but I liked it because I was changing minds. And then they cut my mic when I was excoriating Trump, but this show is not about me. That was November 16, 2019. This summer when the indictments fly, people in Colorado, right-leaning Republicans will be listening more to Brockler and Capitalists than to me. They'll be listening to Ross Kaminsky on KOA. Ross, I've known him a long time. Disappointed that he backed Trump in 2020. I did not, of course. I fell away. Backed Joe Biden big time, wrote about it, talked about it. If you listen to this podcast, you know all about it. But I have some friendly advice for Dan Kaplis and George Brockler on today's show. And... I think that's my role in this horrible conflict that we faced this summer of consequence. I'm going to point out the uh, problems in Colorado that enable MAGA, and I'm going to hope that my former buddies really stop and think, think about what they're doing because there was a certain ethic to capitalists and Silverman especially. We did not tolerate racists. We did not tolerate conspiracy theories. 9-11 truthers who said America attacked itself, uh, we, we just didn't do that. We stood up to people who were phonies and reverse racists, like Ward Churchill, in our opinion, a white guy, pretending to be a Native American, and we made common cause. And let me tell you, that's the beauty of talk radio, because if you do it right daily, you can really drive a story, get leads, solve mysteries, come to consensus truths, but you can't do it if you're one-sided. You can't do it if it's all MAGA propaganda. You can't do it if you're afraid of your audience, much like GOP stalwarts are afraid of the new MAGA base. They bend over backwards, and DeSantis has no chance. 
Trump's going to be the runaway GOP nominee, and it scares the shit out of me. It really does. This podcast is meant to stop that. And so right now on this Shavuot, on Memorial Day weekend, I'm going to be reaching out to my former pals. And I want them to listen. Because episode 150, like all my prior episodes, and thank you to many hundreds of great guests on those episodes, we make a record in time. This is a record on Memorial Day weekend, 2023. I'm laying it out there that we are at a crisis point. And there are community leaders with Colorado bar licenses. That should mean something. They should be honest. They should stand for the rule of law. And when Jack Smith and Merrick Garland take their action, when Bonnie Willis does her thing, It's important for lawyers not to say, oh, that's a fixed legal system because then we're through, fellas. If you're going to put down big city jury verdicts, then it's just divided. We are so divided we cannot stand. If we won't honor jury verdicts out of other jurisdictions, we are at an inflection point. And I'm going to be optimistic. It's never too late to turn back from the cliff. And look, I rode, well, I was never on the Trump train, but I did vote for the guy. So I see how it can happen. The Democrats are not the greatest, but let's get back to normal debates. You know what I mean? And speaking of which, that guy, Barack Obama, who animated you, and by you, I mean Dan, Dan Kaplis, who kept bringing up Jeremiah Wright and what a radical Barack Obama was, like his clergyman mentor. And those concerns, I suppose, had a place in time. Just like that Frank Marshall Davis crap, the birtherism that Peter Boyles rode for so long. And it worked for him to get a lot of listeners and it worked for Donald Trump to get a lot of followers. But in the end, Barack Obama's not a communist. Barack Obama's not a radical. He's a good father, a decent man. And he didn't want to change America the way you guys are changing it with his Christian nationalism. And I sure hope that you guys stop supporting Lauren Boebert. She scares the crap out of me. Just as an American, she's got domestic violence in her house. She's probably a victim herself getting out of a destructive marriage, but they have guns all over the place. And you guys need to get off your gun kick too. Be more realistic. I'm not even going to talk about all the guns that Peter Boyles and others of you guys have sold for gun shops. Do you ever wonder what happened to those guns? I refuse to do ads for gun stores. I refuse to do ads for fake medicine. There were some things I refused to do on AM radio. And yet people listen, older people especially. I'm going to illustrate it, but this is optimistic. I had so many good times with all these fellas in the past. Let's have a bright future together. Let's get back to where people can talk with each other. 
let's recognize that MAGA was a bad thing, that you really weren't all that involved in it, you didn't like it. Peter Boyles, you've recognized it, and holy cow, you're turning 80? How about you just come forward and tell the truth instead of waiting? Seriously, man, you could be sort of a hero, right? I know Kanye West is saying you got to keep quiet, but what's more important, your country or, I don't know, selling another ad for machine gun tours? As you say, Alan Berg, who is going to do a show against guns, he hated the NRA, he was your best friend, but now you have machine gun tours sponsoring you and synergetics with Randy Corcoran, those doctors, they must be reliable. Anyway, Peter Boyles has had the courage to take on that audience. In fact, he's the guy who says that the radio industry is sick. My column sort of paralleled that. Peter Boyles, you can say it's sick because it's embraced and enabled the big lie which caused January 6th an insurrection, possibly the end of democracy, and you know the behind-the-scenes stuff, how Joe Altman was shopped to you by Randy Corcoran. You know the same things about John Eastman. And your country is waiting for you. Peter Boyles, you could be a hero. All you have to do is sit down on a Saturday morning, throw the mic switch, and until they cut you off, just tell the truth about how it all went down. Come on, man. You're about to turn 80. What do you have to lose? You'll hear that come up. Dan Kaplan said he liked it when Donald Trump said to black people, what do you have to lose? And he thinks Trump's great for black people. So is Ron DeSantis. NAACP is wrong about a travel advisory for Florida. I've got that sound, but let's keep it friendly. All these guys have a chance to be a hero. I remember George Brockler telling me as he was about to lose the AG's race that Saturday before the Tuesday how Trump had hosed him. Trump is toxic in Colorado. George knows that. And I understand he's got a job and a lot of good advertisements with QC Kinetics, Dan Kaplan's Law. I mean, I understand the money that goes with that, but holy cow. And I also understand family challenges and the excitement of being able to throw a mic switch. They had to pull it away from me, and now I have this own show, episode 150, Profitable, Always Delivers. And I could put together sound like nobody. And I can get guests like few people. I have a great producer right now. With that, I can make a difference, but not as big a difference as those guys with the radio mics. What big news Peter Boyles can make. What big news Dan Kaplan could make if he said, you know what? These guys are racist. This Donald Trump guy... I heard what Craig had to say. I'd forgotten all that. And George Brockler will realize that a lot of his followers, even the ones that appear to be innocuous old ladies, they are actually QAnon. 
Hey, you guys, have you ever talked about QAnon? Have you ever had on Mike Rothschild listen to my podcast with him? He may come on your shows. You guys aren't Q, are you? I mean, how far are you going to go? How could it be that every talk host in Colorado endorsed Lauren Boebert? When we come back, I have Lauren Boebert sound. I have sound of George Brockler with the QAnon call. I have Dan Kaplan saying that he can't think of any racism over there on his side of the fence. I've got so much, because I'm making a record. Every show's a record. I'm making a record on episode 150. Oh, and hey, just one more thing. I've had so many great guests during these uh, 150 shows. But with the Nuggets about to win the NBA Finals, don't want to put the cart before the horse. They have four more to go. But Spencer Haywood is a childhood hero and the best rookie the Nuggets ever had. Best rookie probably pro sports has ever seen. And I saw him, and I interviewed him, and I pulled some of his quotes that are so beautiful for the NBA Finals. Another blessing I've had is to have the governor of Colorado, AG, Secretary of State, countless legislators, and district attorneys. But right now, the city of Denver is about to elect a mayor, and I have had the top two candidates, Michael Johnston and Kelly Brafon twice apiece. I have sized them both up as great people. They are in the tensest of runoff elections, and yet they laughed with me. The last appearance, I want you to size them up through their laughter. What made them laugh? Ron DeSantis was filmed laughing in Iowa, and it seemed so darn phony. That's the thing we want in this world. We don't want phoniness. AI is almost upon us. Donald Trump, he'll cheat in any way imaginable. That's what frightens me. He'll use AI. Gosh, I talked to Kelly Brough about AI. Mike Johnston, too. Go back and review those episodes as you try to figure out who to vote for, for Denver's next mayor. What a big election that is. So I'm really honored to put together a little segment that I call What Makes the Mayoral Candidates Laugh. We are going to do a lot of new things as we move forward in our effort to save democracy in America and point out the truth. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Please subscribe, share, and most of all, this special episode 150 it begins with that Bobert sound. I don't take great joy in the fact that there's more domestic disturbance at that Silt, Colorado, Garfield County house. She has announced she wants to divorce Jason Bobert, the guy seen so happy with that big gun in his hand with all the kids with guns around the Christmas tree. What could go wrong there? But I'm going to keep in the spirit of my late mother, Barbara, on this Shavuot. She would always want me to be happy. It's not just Shavuot. 
Every Friday after Dan Kaplis and I would complete another week of working, I'd call my mom and I'd say, good Shabbos, because she said that to me first. I say it to you, Shabbat Shalom, good Shabbos, Chag Sameach, good Yontef, it's Shavuot, it's Memorial Day weekend. This is episode 150. We need horns. We need music. We need our troubadour, Dave Gunders. Before we get to Lauren Boebert and her latest problems, let's get happy by talking to our troubadour. It's Friday night in the big city. How many podcasts have music and a troubadour with original music like we have every week? Your Way Too is his beautiful song. Catch Dave Gunders with the Vipers all around town. He's been practicing, and he just married his daughter off, beautiful Sarah. We will be right back with our troubadour, Dave Gunders, followed by Bobert sound that you won't hear on Denver AM Radio. A great time with Spencer Haywood not that long ago. I've got the highlights. Go Nuggets. Oh, and just one more thing. This show is not just me alone. My producer is so special that I won't say his name because I don't want anybody else to find him or steal him. And then again, there's more. My dogs, they stand guard. Occasionally barking, but not that often unless I ask them to And it's part of our record, the one we make every week. And at this inflection point, episode 150, let's hear from my dogs for a second. Skylar, sit. Skylar, speak. Iko, sit. Iko, speak. She barked twice. I think Iko can speak a little louder. Skylar, speak. That's still pretty subdued. Iko, sometimes I say squeak, but I'll say speak. At a girl. They're part of this show too. I love podcasting. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. (laughs) Now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, 
Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig. 303-734-7156. 303-734-7156. I am Craig. Craig Silverman. A voice for victims. You don't know how to silence your phone after all these years. It's you I'd like to silence. Troubadour, it's episode 150. Get it all off your chest. Hi, Craig. Hi. It's off my chest. boy. I'm so excited, and you have a great song. You know why it's perfect for our celebration? Let's hear. It's got horns. It does have horns. Those guys did a great job. Yes. Yeah. Not all your songs have horns. Not that many. Very few. Yeah. It's a little tough for me to organize things, So, uh, but I do know some great, some great uh, horn players up in, in Boulder, and uh, they came and played on this one. And when you say organize, is that organize the music, organize the musicians, all of it, right? Yeah, it's more of the musicians. You know, it's, it's a matter of how much time do you want to spend on a song. You know, you can produce it with a lot of stuff on it or keep it spare. But uh, this one I, I really wanted. I heard horns from the beginning and uh, wanted them on there. You know what people hear in the background? It's his second appearance on the show. Is Skyler is chewing a bone because he's so happy to see you. Hi, Skyler. He's at your feet. Oh, he's so sweet. Anyway, he's a good guard dog. Let's talk about the big event because episode 150 is big, but not like marrying off your oldest child. Everybody wants to know, how did the wedding go? Sarah and Nick... God bless them. And did you like the songs I chose to honor them with? They were your songs. I did. And you did that without any consultation. I, I turned out to, I was actually AWOL, wasn't I? I promised you that I would call in, but it turned, about, it turned out this was the day of, what was it, the day of the wedding? It actually yes, was, right? In the Caribbean. I was, I was, they I had was a way, destination yeah. wedding with uh, just family, which, Uh, I understand, because I have a podcast to put on. We're going to have a big party back in the States, but you were overseas. Just tell everybody, give us a glimpse into the lifestyle of the rich and famous. It was a small wedding, and it was a beautiful wedding, like I told Sarah and Nick. Best wedding ever, and I I meant it. Um, Because it was small, you know, this phase of it, which is the actual matrimony, that was it was close and you know we got to we got to spend a lot of time with their with Nick's family I got to know his parents specifically his dad because you know fathers that come in and merge families the fathers have to they have to you know get have some kind of um uh, you know interaction and and a, and a connection there you are I'm, They're your know, yeah. And so I wanted, Did I was hoping for that? a connection. No, anyway, I didn't. Will, He's will not, uh, Frank no. come on the podcast someday? Maybe. We, we can ask him. All right. Anyway, he's a very interesting man. They were delightful people, very gracious. They worked hard on putting things together. Um, Katina, um, Frank's wife, specifically, Nick's, Nick's mother, um, did a great job. And so everything was beautiful. But the, the best part of the wedding for me was the vows that, uh, that Sarah and Nick 
wrote and and then spoke. Constructed on their own? <laughs> Hopefully chat GPT wasn't involved. <laughs> and I can tell you that it wasn't because, I mean, you know when someone's speaking from the heart. Nick loves my daughter. There's no question about that. He's deeply in love with her. And uh, that made the whole wedding. What's not to love? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of lovable people that don't find the right person to love That's right. Yeah. I've loved this podcast. It gives me an exhilaration. It's not like I can play in a golf tournament every week or a basketball game or have a trial or a big hearing every week, but I bring my best efforts to this, and I do it with you, which makes it super fun. It is fun, and I always know you bring your best effort, and I try to do the same. You do. Of course. It's amazing, but we have to let people in on a little secret. We're up to episode 150, and as prolific as you are, we had to start recycling a song or two a while ago. When are you going to have the new material? It's all done. I'm just working on the actual, on the physical uh, CD part. The music's mastered and complete. Well, that's beautiful. So maybe a month I'll be able to give you a CD. I, 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 no more than, than that. And I'm, I can even show you uh, the, the, the um, art okay. design. Yeah. That's great. Was that ChatGPT did the art? It may have been. I don't what know. What about the music? Definitely not. Not aided. I can vouch for that. Not this is all no, no. Dave Gunder's original. Now, we talked about... One, you're making a record. And to me, that's what I try to do here. In fact, in court, every time I spoke, the words were transcribed and somebody someday maybe would read it. Maybe it would be important. With Apple and the cloud and Spotify, we are up there, just like your songs, YouTube, we're everywhere. Not that we have illusions that gazillions are listening yet, Yet, but yeah, I like that word. Right, but the potential is there, and we've made a record. This is how we feel Memorial Day of 2023. It's a moment in time, and I'm scared. I'm scared for our country. I think we're at an inflection point. You asked me, will we get to 300? I don't think so. One, I don't think it'll be necessary. Either MAGA will be triumphant or will be defeated. God forbid he wins again. I'm going to have to reevaluate. Everybody's going to have to reevaluate. You're the guy who talked about exploring German citizenship. It's just, so we, we need to stop it, which should take about 50 more shows. I rejected the exploration of, no, I did not explore it. Well, you're a sister. Set the, set the record straight on that. But um, I, I, apologize. The, I apologize. No, that's okay. Strike but Craig, that. All right. the more reason, all the more reason for, for you to continuing to continue to do what you're doing. Thank you. Yes, all the more reason. You know, whether and, times are good or bad. And right? you do it too. And you chose this song, Why? Your Way Too. Your Way Too. You asked me to think about a song that might be appropriate for episode 150, which is, which is a kind of a, it's a kind of a graduation of sorts, right? You look back, time of introspection, what have I done, right? You're looking at that, what have I done? And I, I think one of the things you do is you look, you have the ability to look from another person's perspective at an issue, which is a very valuable thing, especially these days, right? It's enriching to our community. I'm trying to do it because you know what other holiday it is right now? Um, it's the Nuggets. You got to yeah. be talking about, is it a holiday? <laughs> yes. It's, uh, okay. what is have it? you ever heard it's of Judaism? Yes, I know Judaism. What is the holiday? But you know, Shavuot. 
Is it? No way. No. Wait. It's Shavuot. I thought Shavuot came after um, came right after the high holidays. It comes after Passover, it, it, the counting of the Omer. Shavuot. Do you oh, remember what it's about? Sukkot is what I'm thinking of. It's the okay. It's I'm the, thinking of Sukkot right yes. after the right okay, after the high right. holidays. Shavuot. All right. Shavuot. Yeah. So what is it? Okay. Let me ask you a question. Yes. What does it represent? It's Shavuot. when we received uh, the law. As a lawyer, I know these things. You're Mount Sinai, we're okay. celebrating receiving the law. The Torah, or the yes. uh, Ten Commandments? Yeah, the Torah. The Same Torah. thing. Okay. We got it all. I mean, it came in different forms. But yeah, tablets and uh, a scroll too. Wow. Okay. Anyway, so that's what we celebrate. Sounds like worthy It's a holiday, right. It's a happy holiday. Not all Jewish holidays are happy. But uh, in the spirit of your song, your way too, I'm kind of reaching out to the guys who can help stop this conflict, which I think indictments are coming. Jack Smith's going to act. He has to in June. And then America's going to turn to lawyers, lawyers who have microphones. And obviously, even with AM radio diminished, they have a big audience, and they have a Colorado law license. So guys like George Brockler and Dan Kaplis, they'll be asked for their opinion about whether this is legitimate. And it's important what they have to say, and this show is my way of reaching out and saying, fellas, now is the time for you to use that good legal education that Colorado lawyers have. Make us proud. Don't do us dirty and disrespect jury verdicts like they did with that New York City verdict. Nine people, not just from New York City, who was Southern District of New York, could be Long Island, conservative places, $5 million to E. Jean Carroll. But right. the lawyers, including lawyers like Marco Rubio and Lindsey Graham and these honors, had to New York jury and, you know, the system's rigged. And that's what Trump wants them to say. And why would they follow Trump? The guy's a racist. And I prove it this show. And I do it in a spirit of maybe you didn't know. Maybe you didn't put it all together. Maybe we have special sensitivity. You know, it's, uh, it's really something. Ron DeSantis, did you see that worst announcement ever? He did it on Twitter and it glitched for 21 minutes. Is that what happened? Have no. you ever tried to put on his show and had a 21 minute technical problem? I bet you have. So it's not oh, it's good. terrible. It's no, not especially good. when you're announcing for president. Yeah, Come on. when you're announcing for president. What happened? I mean, there was silence on the, what happened? It, it, strange noises, oh. are we on kind of crap. Wow. And then they'd start talking and get interrupted. It's mm. like the worst damn radio you ever heard. And it was an embarrassment for Elon Musk. And now Trump's unstoppable. He really is. It's so frightening. And with AI, I know you think I worry about it, but it's a way you can cheat. Trump's the all-time cheater. He's going to use it. And he's going to use uh, people who are willing to tell his lies to amplify it with microphones like we are speaking into now. You know, my podcast... Gosh, Steve Bannon, his podcast, he, he puts out two or three every day. And he, he, he has so many subscribers, and then they dominate AM radio. 
But just think if one or two of them turned and said, no, this is a bridge too far. <laughs> We've been waiting for that for more than, I know. more than a year, more than two years. But but, but it, you it, waited for me. I Huh? Yeah, I waited for you. Um, but right. What, what Craig's referring to is I waited for him to come around <laughs> right. and, and, and change his mind about Trump. Right. Right. I don't think you ever loved the man. I think no. you just didn't want Hillary. But anyway, that's water. Under, right, but under we that need bridge. these people to do make this They're not journey. Do it, but, but I wanted to mention when you talked about Trump being unstoppable. So I heard some Republican on NPR talking about uh, the Trump, the base. No, the Republicans. And he, they, and he said 25% are just die-in-the-wool Trumpists. The, they will vote for him no matter what. There's another 25% that are against him, that are tired of him, Republicans. So good so far. And then the other 50% kind of on the fence is, is how he, he posed it. Well, that being the case, it seems like that there may be, you know, a, a little chink in his armor. I don't think so. If you've got that solid 25, that's better than anybody else. And almost every Republican I've seen has said, I'll vote for him if he's the nominee. George Brockler says that. And he's supposed to be a law and order guy. I'm keeping it friendly. But really, with four indictments, even my dogs can see, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And where there's huge smoke, there's a huge fire. And this guy's a criminal. And I can see it. With my prosecutorial background, other great uh, podcasters, John Flannery on YouTube, he expressed the same worries I do. Keith Oberman, he puts on a great show. I like these shows where I express myself with sound. I've got a great producer. Don't say his name because we don't want anybody to steal him from us, Dave Gunders. But uh, he's really part of our success, too, don't you think? Thank you, B. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just ask you one more thing. As a successful businessman, and uh, I don't know, did you pay for that wedding or did you stiff the people? Because right now the Republicans, they're looking to jack up America by not paying our bills. Yeah. Can you believe it? I mean, how's that supposed to work? It doesn't work. And and don't you think responsible on-air people should say, hey, we don't run a railroad like this. We pay our bills. Right. But it's it's an opportunity for leverage and people use it. Yeah. So anyway, it's terrible. It it happened in 2011. They came around. And they'll come around this time, too. You think so? Of course. Of course. What if if, uh, they want to sabotage things? Uh, they'll be sabotaged. They'll be shooting themselves in the foot. And it's not going to do anybody any good, you know, to uh, to default for America to to default. It, it's it's. I mean, it would be not just a, a national problem. It'd be a world worldwide problem. But um, I don't believe that'll happen. It's terrible that it's that the debt ceiling is used as, like I said, as leverage to, to you know. What if Donald through. Trump wants that to happen? Well, how much? I mean, how much? How much sway influence does he have, does he have in, well, we'll in terms find of out. that? We will find out. Yeah. I hope his influence is diminishing. Isn't that the point you were trying to make? Let's stay optimistic. Yes. Okay? That there's cumulative effect of you and me talking against the man every week. Yeah. And it's building to a head where after episode 200, 
he should be a blessed or not so blessed memory. Well, he lost the election, you know. I mean, in the you know, the uh, 2022 elections, a, a lot of his uh, cronies lost. And so I think people, to, you know, and, and the scandals. I mean, it's got to, all that stuff has to erode his his power. Do you agree this is a summer of a consequence? Man, every, every I mean, lately. But it's that's one. That's one, Troubadour. Yeah. Well, how about next summer? We'll be, that'll be right before the election. That's one, even more so. Well, who knows? But we do know you need to get a dog. When's that going to happen? Oh, that's, that's a much happier subject matter. So uh, it's going to happen soon. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely open to finding, finding the new, our new family member. See, that's an upbeat Shavuos yeah. thing. Memorial Day, happy summer, my friend. Is the pool open? It is, and you're always invited. Uh, unfortunately, the dogs are not. In the old pool, they could come in. But I, I, have, uh, I have strict instructions. <laughs> no dogs. Troubadour, thanks for everything. Episode 150, let's hear your brilliant song, Your Way Too. Thanks, Craig. It's been fun. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.
Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go, you know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey, because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right. And if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaelbaileylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. War on drugs has never been more serious. There are killer substances out there, including fentanyl. If God forbid you know somebody or a loved one of yours has been affected by fentanyl, perhaps my law firm could help. Sometimes there's justice in the criminal court system, other times civil justice. My number, 303-734-7156. 303-734-7156. Ask for Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Oh my gosh, the great things that have happened with me being able to have on superior guests. Spencer Haywood, episode 13. This is back when the Nuggets and the Lakers were in the NBA Finals. This was the bubble pandemic here. Spencer Haywood, famous former Laker, the most amazing Nugget, or should I say Denver Rockets rookie in team history, MVP of the ABA that year, and he's my guest. He rewrote the rules for how the NBA can get high school players, college players, the Haywood rule. He had a book that came out and I had the pleasure of interviewing him. Gosh, those days of the ABA. We watched the fight that he had with Rick Barry. Rick Barry, who once signed my bus card on my signature line. I presented it daily as if I was Rick Barry, who played for the Oakland Oaks 
and battled with Denver at the Coliseum at the Auditorium Arena, literally battled, and Spencer Haywood was part of it as a teenager not much older than me. How cool was that? Really cool. Spencer Haywood talked to me about his history. He came to Colorado through Trinidad State. Then all of a sudden, he was in the 68 Olympics, the most consequential Olympics ever. Maybe Munich, but no, or Berlin. But hell, John Carlos, Tommy Lee, Spencer Haywood, a big part of it, winning the gold there defeating Yugoslavia after the Yugoslavians beat the Russians. You know, Yugoslavia then became Serbia, Nikola Jokic. Anyway, they have good hoopsters there, but not as good as Spencer Haywood. Listen to this start. My highlights with Spencer Haywood. I played at Trinidad State Junior College. And as an 18-year-old freshman, the Olympic team came calling and said, well, Kareem is boycotting. Elf Hayes and Wes Unsell have signed their contract, so we need someone to save America. So I was like, yeah, well, you going to get me some gear? Come on, I'll save it. <laughs> and so I went to the Olympics and set records in four different categories and won the gold medal for this country. At not then, just any Olympics, the famous 1968 Mexico Olympics. City, Bob Beeman, and the protest. The protest. I spoke with John Carlos last week. We were talking. So me, him, me, John Carlos, Tommy Smith, Bob Beeman, Lee Evan, Diva Dataroni, she was the swimmer, Dick Fosbury, the Fosbury flop was oh, the first time he was introduced right. at the 68 Olympics, and... And when we got down there, there was a there was an a, attempt to boycott that 68 Olympics, and we had Dr. Harry Edwards, we had Martin Luther King, we had Jesse Owens. I know it's deep. We had Jesse Owens. All of them was there to keep us from doing something, uh, as we said, stupid. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> but we'd have got there, so they and Wilma Rudolph, all of those mm. great Olympians and. Great historic people were, were trying to keep us from, you know, doing something not, not, just wasn't good for us, for the country. You were not just a member of the team as a teenager. You led the team in scoring. You led the team to the gold medal. You saved America, although they got knocked off, what, by Yugoslavia before you met them in the finals? No, 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 no. We won it all. I know you won it all, but you didn't have to face the Russians at the end because they got knocked off, didn't they? They got knocked off by the Yugoslavians. Yeah. Right. But you were sensational. Yeah, I set a record in scoring the most points in the history of America, which held until 2012, broken by Durant shooting three-pointers. You know what? <laughs> Is that fair? Shouldn't there be an asterisk when it gets broken nah, by three-pointers? you got to let it all. You got to let it all flow. And I also broke the record and rebound it in field goal percentage. Still field goal percentage. Over 70%. Yeah. And then how did you end up coming to Denver? So then I came back to the University of Detroit. Right. And then when I got to the University of Detroit, I played to one more season. I was uh, the outstanding college player, and Kareem was the MVP. And the ABA could not get Kareem to sign with the ABA. And so they ended up saying, well, let's go after Spencer Haywood. Uh-oh. Uh, 
He's an underclassman. What are we going to do? So Hannah Storm's father, Mark Storms, and J.W. Ringsby, and Bill and Bill Ringsby, I think it was. Colorado trucking family, the Ringsby's, right. They said, well, look, let's go get John McLendon, who was the first black coach in the in the, in professional, right. well, in second career up to uh, Bill Russell. But they got him as a coach. And they said, well, we're going to go after Spencer Haywood. But we have a problem with, you know, with the NC2A and the NBA and the ABA saying, no, he was an underclassman. So they came up with this, this dream idea that if we could sign one underclassman, we could get other underclassmen, such as Julius Irvin, all other guys who came after me. But if this guy could get five points and maybe two rebounds, then the gamut would work. So that year I got... 30 points and 19.5 rebounds for 82 games. Not I like, oh, it. I had one I had one good game. Oh, no, no, no. It was for 82. And I played a total of almost 46 minutes a night. And I was 19 years old. And I won MVP of the league, rookie of the year, MVP of the All-Star game. And then we made it to the playoffs. My first 12 playoff games, I averaged 36 points and 20 rebounds. What was the name of the arenas? Where did you play at in Denver? I'm going to test your memory now. Yeah, we played downtown there. Auditorium Arena. Auditorium Arena. Right. And that's where we got to play there in the Denver Prep League, too. It had about 6,000 right on top of the court. It was the greatest place to watch a game. Greatest, greatest place to watch a game. And plus that altitude. Oh, Lord, that was beautiful. And then you also played at the Denver Coliseum, which seated about 10,000, where they still have the high school championships. And that's where you beat the Capitals in an amazing game seven. And I watched you get in a fight with Rick Barry. And I was interested in reading your book that you guys have interacted (laughs) a lot since then. Tell us about that skirmish with Rick Barry, because wasn't Julius Key a part of it? And Julius Key was a part of it. Byron Beck, he gonna say he wasn't. Jeff Con was Condon was uh, was one of the one of the others, and Lonnie Wright was my protector. Oh my God, what a guy, Lonnie! And Lonnie Wright, Wright was. hold on, Lonnie Wright played for the Denver Broncos and the Denver Rockets in the same season. And before that, where did he go to college? Colorado State. Exactly. Hey, watch out. He's a Bob Rule, all the boys. Did he have the thickest legs in the history of sports? Thickest legs. (laughs) Yes. I mean, we could see your legs back then. But I have to tell you, Spencer Haywood, we never saw a season like it. You were so great. Tell us about Game 7 and that fight with Rick Barry. Gosh, Spencer Haywood went far beyond what any Denver Nugget has done in terms of impacting the business of the league. Who could play? And he went to the U.S. Supreme Court for the proposition that, yes, young people with talent should be able to compete and play. That's the marketplace. And the Supreme Court ruled in his favor. And I got the end of that story about the Rick Berry fight with this amazing part of our discussion which includes reference to Donald Trump. He's trying to sell a book, Spencer Hayward, but he did not want to hide from discussing the poison which is Donald Trump. 
people don't understand the importance of the Supreme Court. It's so important because you can set laws. You can you can turn back health care. You can turn back a lot of things. You can turn back voting rights. Rights. You can do so many things with that court. So it's important that we get out and vote and get active now. And I don't care who who you vote for or what you do, but I know we better be active. Well, here's the thing. I want people to vote, and I want them to vote Donald Trump out. That's where I'm coming from. Cause you know, I'm trying to be non-political. Man, this man got us in a pandemic. He got us in a pandemic. I mean, come on, man. This guy right. got to go. Yes, it's just common sense. Lie to us every day. Every day. Many times every day. Every day, man. Come on. You got to love the people that you serve it. And he talks trash about the NBA. And what do you think all those Everything. people are say? Yeah. I'm not going to watch it anymore. I'm thinking, wow, that's your loss. Have you watched the Nuggets? It's the best have entertainment in the, the world. Have you watched the Nuggets? That's all I have to say. Have you watched the Nuggets? Yes. Who are you rooting for in this series, Spencer Haywood? Are you part of Laker Nation or Denver basketball? No. If you go on my, um, if your audience will go on my Instagram account, Spencer Haywood, 24, you will see who I'm running for. And I posted it about Denver, my life in Denver. It's on now. It was posted last week. You know, I do Twitter and I see that you've been talking about well, your Twitter, past. Twitter, I'm not hip Twitter. like you kids with Instagram. I'm going to get there, though. But <laughs> Yeah, but I got it on Twitter. Why do you like Denver? What, what is your best memories of Denver, Colorado? Because, all right, Denver brought me out. I know it's a little personal. Denver brought me out for the 50th anniversary. And and as they was introducing me at, at, in the middle of the floor, I didn't know I was the only MVP in franchise history. I don't think there's been anybody who even came in second no, or third. I right. know, but I didn't know. So and then we, we, we had a nice long talk about, you know, them retiring my jersey in Denver because that's where the whole franchise started. That's how we got to the first playoff. All of this stuff happened. But then we had a lot of people writing in saying, well, he only played and he left us high and dry. And I was like, they don't know the truth. I didn't leave you high and dry. <laughs> Y'all threw me out with a bad contract. <laughs> And so I pulled for Denver because, you know, that's who gave me the honor, say, two years ago and brought me in town and treated me really royally. So I, I respect that. You were part of Laker Nation for a while, and you know LeBron, you know their rich history. You were part of it. And you wore yeah. number 24 before Kobe Bryant came along. You wore that yeah. number in Kobe Denver. Kobe had both of my numbers. 28, 24 was my number. He wore my number eight. In the Olympics and after, <laughs> and they wore number 24. And he was the guy who was working with me on doing the Spencer Hayward story before he passed. What was Kobe Bryant like? You know, I covered his court case here in Colorado. That was unfortunate, but he rose yeah. above it. Talk about a guy he getting off the mat and coming back. But uh, yeah. I didn't get to know him personally. What was he like as a man? Just a great human being, just so kind and so caring. You you felt you felt his heart when you talked with him, when you was around him. You felt his heart, his compassion. And what he did for women basketball was just like I mean, I know he's great for NBA, but what he's done for women basketball, because I have four daughters and two of them played uh, division one. 
So <laughs> I was just, I mean, this man was such, he was in such a good place before that helicopter went down. And he was just, and his daughter with him. It was just. Oh, it's terrible. It's and still sad. It's still sad to right. me. You know, it's just still. And this year he would have been, you know, he would have been right there celebrating on that, on the sideline, acting crazy with LeBron and all of them through that. So Right. And he would have joined the Hall of Fame in Springfield where you are. And one of the things that we were talking about is that I would be one of the presenters mm. because he's under my ruling. So it was it's just going to be so wonderful. I still would probably be a presenter with the, with his family, you know. What about LeBron? We talk about him a lot because he's become more than just an athlete. He is King James, yeah. and he's got a big platform. James. How do you think he's using it? He's using it wisely. He's doing the right thing. He's he's really a special player, special individual, and he's a good person. But he did cut me out of <laughs> shut up and dribble. He did. Well, that's his shame. His book. No, right? no. He, he did take me for like two days. I mean, I came down, flew down twice. And I'm like, LBJ, how you cut me out? And all y'all under it. <laughs> Including Chris Jackson or Mahmoud. I'm like, what are you doing? But they said they're going to do something else special. So we shall see. Another famous Denver basketball player, Mahmoud. But you didn't yeah. quite get back to me on that Rick Barry fight. Did you punch him? Did he punch you? Oh, the Rick Barry fight. Oh, I punched him so hard and I got him down on the ground and I beat him up and I then I like said no, Warren Jivali was over there. You know you weren't gonna get too oh, far. Yeah, Warren Armstrong Warren Armstrong yeah, became Warren Jabali, the Oakland Oaks. Yeah. I know my ABA. Okay, well I'm just saying, you know, you might get a punch in, but you're gonna be looking over your shoulder. Warren's coming somewhere. Oh boy! So Rick and I just we just had a little tussle. It's you know basketball players don't fight. And when you guys get together, do you talk about it or do you relive that? At yeah, all? and I talk about how many I dropped on him <laughs> when we won when we won that Western Conference. <laughs> In fact, we're going to do another talk about that. We had an ABA chat one uh, not too long ago. Julius Irvin, George Gervin, Rick Barry, Dan Issel. Artist Gilmore, <laughs> we were like a little bit loony. And then it got real. In exchange, I'll never forget, I sort of soft-pedaled the fact that Trump's racist. Spencer Haywood says, you think? He put me in my place, rightfully so. Trump is a racist. I'm going to make that case to my buddies every chance I get, put it out on the show. But you know what brings people together? And even Dan Kaplis talks about this, the Nuggets. Although, truth be told, a lot of white supremacists hate the NBA and always will because it's too black for them. I love it. Other people of goodwill do, especially our Denver Nuggets, the rich history coming to a culmination, and Spencer Haywood is on board. Thank you, Spencer Haywood, for giving me an interview to remember, a highlight that I feature here on my episode 150. So apropos, as Spencer Haywood says, let's go Nuggets. What about race relations in America, Spencer Haywood? Is it going to get better? Will our kids help change the world? Is this the last gasp of racism? 
They will change the world. We got one. We got one obstacle that's sitting in the yes. way. And if you get that obstacle out of here, I'm telling you, America is going to be the best place. We're going to have race relations. We're going to have continuous growth. We're going to have all this wonderful stuff. But we got to admit to this, this to this disease and get this disease out of here. Not only the pandemic, but the person in charge of the pandemic. I think Donald Trump is a racist. I don't like to label people think? something like that, right? You think? You think? No. Well, <laughs> I, I don't call people racist generally. Yeah, I know. I'm, neither am I, but I'm saying, but you think? <laughs> yes, I do think. And so I'm working yeah. my butt off in Colorado. I think Colorado is in the bag for Biden, but you live in Nevada. What's going to happen out there, Spencer Haley? We're going to be all right out here. We're going to do good. You know what a great philosopher said, a fool is thirsty in an abundance of water. So we have to be careful. A fool is thirsty in an abundance of water. Nice. You know who that great philosopher was? No, tell me. Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Right. <laughs> I have a troubadour on my show. He loves reggae and he's mourning no. the death of Bob Marley's friend. What was it? Toots? Something like that. Anyway, if you know reggae, yeah. you might know that. Yeah. Uh, Toots and the Matrix. Yes. 2020 has been a terrible year. What do you predict terrible. for the future? Are you an optimist, Spencer Haywood? Or Yeah, I, I am saying this is going to happen. We're going to get new politics. We're going to have another five good years of calmness. We're going to grow exponentially in America. We're going to show the love and the teamwork that America is built on. We are going to have a special, special time. This was just like when I was using Coke. This is just like we had to hit rock bottom. And we didn't hit rock bottom. And now we're going to have this this, this, this paradise that's going to be coming. I mean, it's just going to be a beautiful time in America. I'm looking forward to it. I like that optimism. And if you want to have a great year, buy yourself this book, The Spencer Haywood Rule. Please buy the book. I mean, Battles, basketball, and the making of an American iconoclast. And I looked up iconoclast, and it's a destroyer, <laughs> a person who attacks uh, cherished beliefs or institutions. And you changed basketball, and you did it for the better. You really did because for the better, yeah. basketball is the ultimate meritocracy. And we're a capitalist yes. country. You put those things together and you get the greatest sports league in the history of the world. And why not have the best compete against the best? And I saw you when you were 19. You are one of the best of all time, Spencer Haywood. I can't tell you how excited I am to have spoken to you. Thank you so much. And let's go Nuggets. Now, during the pandemic and otherwise, a lot of people have so much affection for their pets. That must come up all the time. What's going to happen to Scruffy? What can you tell us about that, Michael Bailey? What you can do is create a pet trust in Colorado. You put money into trust, and then that money is available and earmarked to care for the dog. And it can last the lifetime of the dog or 21 years, whichever is shorter. And then when the time frame for the trust is up, you can dictate who gets whatever leftover money or I have several clients who will leave it to some sort of animal shelter or animal rescue to be able to care for other animals. How cool is that? 
You can go to Michael Bailey's office and he has offices all over. And you could meet at your home, whatever. I love the way you practice law. You've kept it going for a long time. Tell everybody how they can make you their lawyer. So my phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. They can call me or they can go online to mobileestateplanning.com. And there's a link there where you can schedule an appointment with me. I really and truly take no delight in family fighting. There's an aspect of this call from the boy complaining about his dad getting physical that breaks my heart, even for the Bobert family. Raising adolescent boys is not easy. Being a Bobert cannot be easy. Jason Bobert now being served with divorce papers by his wife, Lauren Bobert, that can't be easy. But damn, Lauren Boebert is a menace to our society, parading around those big weapons with her kids on Christmas and this dysfunctional family sends the wrong message. She embraces QAnon. It's out there. Go to my Mike Rothschild show. It's a big part of the Republican base and she is part of it. She is MAGA through and through. Lauren Boebert is part of the Trump machine. And she's been backed by every talk radio host in Colorado. Because I'm not on the air, but I am podcasting, and I will call her out. And I will play this sound you won't hear on Trump radio because they love them some Lauren Boebert. And that could be the death of democracy in America. He's just like throwing me across the house. <laughs> he got, I don't know why he got mad. He just started yelling at me and he started throwing me. <laughs> Jason Bobert. All I wanted to say, all I wanted to say is me and my dad were starting to yell at each other. He didn't really get physical with me. It was just like, I was overwhelmed. Wait, me, me and my dad were over. Hang on. Hi, I'm the mom. Hi. Um, okay, so there was an argument over dinner. I understand you guys got to come and talk to them. I'm down at our second location with, I was already here getting things ready for an event. But I don't know, I was talking to him and he had said that he had called. So just to let you know, I have him. His dad's up at, at the house. Yeah, he had told me he was going to be down at the farmhouse, and I've got him headed that way to help him. It's the uh, yeah, he doesn't need help, but they can, they can come here. Yeah. It was just late last summer when the Boberts had a run-in with the neighbor. It was well chronicled on Box 31. Give a listen to this and think about all the guns that the Boberts have. The assault weapons the kids around the Christmas tree, thank God, those weapons were not involved in these incidents. They were scary enough. 
All new tonight at 10, we now have the 911 calls from Congresswoman Lauren Boebert's neighbors saying her husband was threatening them and ran over a mailbox. Matt Morrow's at the live desk with one of the story that's making national headlines tonight, Matt. It sure is, Jeremy and Erica. This all went down back on Thursday, August 4th in Silt. The 911 calls and reports from the Garfield County Sheriff's Office say it started because neighbors claim one of the Congresswoman's children was speeding down the street on one of those electric motorcycles. Then they say Ms. Bobert's husband, Jason, got involved. Listen. Lauren Bobert's Jack's husband, Jason. He's running over my mailbox right now. Stop, you jack! Get the out of here. Come he on, man. What mailbox? are you doing? What did we do wrong? I live here. He There's about to be some going down here. Now we got a hold of two of these 911 calls. One lasts for about five minutes, the other for two minutes. In one of them, the caller claims Jason Bobert gets chest to chest with people and is looking to fight them. The caller also says the congresswoman's son claims that someone took a swing at him, which the neighbors all deny. Then there was this exchange. I'm sure he's loaded to the hill. Do you know who his wife is? I Lauren do. Bobert. She's okay. loaded. They all have guns. We do know a number of sheriff's deputies went to the neighborhood shortly after these calls were made. Investigators have not said exactly what happened after that, but we do know no one was arrested. We don't know if the congresswoman was home at the time, but we did reach out to her office multiple times asking for her family's side of the story, but we still have not heard back tonight. Jeremy, Erica. George Brockler has a powerful job taking over for Peter Boyles. Peter Boyles chased out of Kenya West by people complaining that Boyles had switched. He would not back the big lie anymore once the lawsuit started flying. Or maybe he just used his good common sense. I wish Peter Boyles would come forward now and tell everybody everything that he knows. Flip that mic switch on a Saturday morning. Explain how Joe Altman was brought to you by Randy Corcoran. Same with John Eastman. These guys are part of the big lie. The truth is going to come out this summer. It's a time to choose sides. The case of Coomer versus Kenyus and Corpin is hopelessly stalled on the desk of Denver District Court judges who won't move expeditiously. And then the Court of Appeals gets involved and it's ridiculously slow. And Salem hopes to ride it out. I wrote a column Talking about Salem National, they own Salem, Colorado. Do they own Peter Boyles at age 80? Why? So he can do more machine gun tours ads and try to pretend he was best friends with the late Allen Berg who was shot down by guns? And the next day planned to excoriate the NRA once again on his radio show? Be a hero now, Peter Boyles. Do what Alan Berg would want you to do. Stand up to this momser. That's the Yiddish word. Look it up. This momser, mega man, Donald J. Trump, who will be the Republican nominee. And with AI cheating and everything else this guy will do, and an agent Joe Biden, and a country that listens to people like Peter Boyles, and other colleagues that I treat with kindness on this Jewish holiday of Shavuot. Holy cow, we were at a precipice. Why not Peter Boyles? Flip down Mike switch. Tell the truth about the big lie. Last Saturday, 
And I do monitor this guy. This is my role in the conflict. This is how the battle will be fought. When the indictments come, they will flip on the radio to see what lawyers on the radio and Peter Boyles have to say. And if they say it's all a bunch of bull crap, at least Peter Boyles recognizes not just that Trump is the author of the big lie, but that he's a cheat, he's a con man. And he's done it at great detriment to our society. He did have those contacts with Eugene Carroll. He did that. And he brags about it now. And there are no repercussions. Even as he says he's entitled in that way, you can't have the high ground and back Donald Trump, not in a sane society. Now, who are true believers and who are not? Sometimes it's hard to tell. I think they all really know it's a con game, even a guy like Randy Corcoran, even Jen Ellis, who's now switched to DeSantis. I don't know what drives all these people. Who's a true believer? Sidney Powell? I doubt it. Rudy Giuliani? No way. But Maria Bartiromo? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know how far gone some of these people are. Some people in Donald Trump's orbit. Some of the sycophants. Roger Stone knows it's a con. He's pulling a lot of strings. George Brockler is a super smart guy. Took over for Peter Boyles. He wants to make money. He wants to be a Republican leader. But holy cow. What's he going to do to make that happen? Could he please call out QAnon, educate himself on the danger of this conspiracy theory that is spread like wildfire and appears with regularity on his own broadcast? George, can I help you with this? Could you read a book about QAnon? Could you have Mike Rothschild on? He's a great guest. And you'd realize, you'd realize that some of your callers are pure QAnon, and you need to push back, my brother. I like to listen to these shows to understand what topics they select and deselect. They won't talk about a lot of things, but now it's safe to say the Oath Keeper's trial has not been discussed. The E. Jean Carroll verdict really not talked about, although... Sadly, some of these lawyers, including Dan Kaplan, said it's a rigged jury. You can't trust it, really. He did say, of course, Trump not showing was a factor. But why didn't he show? What about that deposition? Anyway, back to George Brockler and his caller, Mary. It was earlier this week. After I had my column published in the Colorado Sun talking about the average age of AM radio listeners being 93. Mary seemed to be exhibit A, except she also was QAnon. Give a listen to this woman. Give a listen to how she won't acknowledge that Joe Biden is the president. And then she has this claim that from the outset, everybody wanted to impeach Trump, Russia, Russia, Russia. But the reality is he had Manafort. He has Russian connections galore. He was going to build the biggest skyscraper in Europe in Moscow. Don't pretend he didn't have connections. They worked for him. Did you watch Helsinki? Anyway, 
George Brockler's not a big Trump fan, but he won't push back hard against anybody in the Trump-based, in the trump base audience of KNUS. Hell, he led Randy Corcoran sub in for him the other day, and Corcoran pushes the big lie just as much as I oppose it. So Brockler allows that to happen, and then George pushes back against little old Mary, you'll hear it, but then he capitulates. And they talk about, oh, guys like Craig, well, I'm not brought up, but these guys have visceral hatred of Trump. Yeah, we do. Is that okay? We don't like sociopaths. We don't like Trump. Then there's the whataboutism, but more than anything, listen how long George Brockler keeps her on. I don't know that I was ever that desperate for calls to keep somebody like this on for how long is it? It's about 10 minutes, so get ready, but listen to the QAnon tells like her theory that Hillary is still running everything. And George Brockler, Mr. Anderson, well, what does that mean? Study up, George, read a book, have an author on. And then she says that uh, the military should disobey. And she gets to the big lie, and she concludes that voting doesn't matter. It's all fixed. It's the MAGA way to articulate. If you're part of the MAGA cult, that's what you believe. You also believe strange things about the Kennedy family. And now Bannon and Trump have put up RFK Jr. just as surely as they put up Kanye last time as another attempt to win by cheating, to win despite having lesser numbers. And rather than put Mary down for her conspiracy theories that will destroy America, George says he loves her candor, loves her call. And then you get to the part where he ends it, and he does his shilling for Dan Kaplis. Dan Kaplis, who hired George Brockler and Peter Boyles to advertise for him. At least George is up to speed. The Dan Kaplis law firm got radically reduced. All those former prosecutors departed. It's down to him and another guy, this guy, Bobber. And... uh Peter Boss keeps talking about all the former prosecutors in the firm, all the partners, but that was a while ago. And I believe it if Peter Boyles is just not following directions. It's important. It's like golf. You know, you got to protect the field, all the lawyers advertising. I want business. Everybody wants business. Dan's plenty of successful without Peter Boyles making up stuff for him. George Brockler said some fascinating things at the end of this ad about Dan Kaplis. I have you listen to this ad because he handed off that STEM shooting case to Dan Kaplis, and I don't know if at the end that he said that Dan's doing it for free or he did nobody had to pay for Bobber and George back when George worked for Dan before they had a horrible breakup that ended up with those two fighting like crazy, but they made up now because they're both uh, on the Trump team. Well, Dan more than George, but they're both still stalwart Republicans with Thrive Time shows. And Dan likes George enough to pay him to advertise. Same with Peter Boyles. 
So let's give a listen to what he's paying for with Mary in the morning. This is primetime, 8.30 in the morning, George Brockler's show, Mary, the 93-year-old member of QAnon calling, and see if you think this might be a problem. And George, see if you can't think of a way to improve on the way you reacted to this call. Is he going to be the nominee? Is he the guy that you want to be there? And some of the texts that we've received, I think, address all that. I will get to some of those in just a moment, but I want to honor the callers. And, of course, Mary called 303-696-1971, so we're going to take Mary. Mary, what are your thoughts? My thoughts that there's only one person that can take everything they're going to throw at him, and that's Trump. And the first thing he would do is bring back the oil, and we need it. Nobody wants to sign up for the military and serve under this president. I'm tired of hearing him called president. He isn't. It's all the people behind him that are telling him what to say and what to do. And I can't see. I think DeSantis one day would be maybe a good president, but not now. Why not now? Why not now? Because they're going to come after him just exactly the way they do Trump. And whether he can take it or not, I don't know. We know that Trump can. We had four years of peace and quiet and things taken care of. And whatever his moral background is, we don't have to go back very far to our past presidents to find plenty of that. Well, so tell me why you brought up that last point about the moral piece. Is it to say it doesn't matter anymore? Does it just not matter what a president's moral compass is or the things that they do? Uh, I think his moral compass is fine right now. I think he's got a background, but he's got the background. He's a fighter, and he knows where all where everything's buried. He knows who all the people are now. The- he's a smart, smart man. And Mary, I I think he did some great things, but anybody that suggests injecting um, hydrogen peroxide into your body as a way to clear to cure COVID, that just doesn't sound super smart to me. I mean, and I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm just saying comments like that make me say, "What's going on? Like, why? Why would you even suggest?" He he makes some comments. He makes a lot of comments, but he fights back, and he did it all in spite of them trying to impeach him from the first day he was in there. That's true. No doubt he has been more assailed than any other president in my lifetime. And why is that? They're scared to death of him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's just, it's just fear, though. I do think it's a lot of personal hatred. I think these folks have let themselves become emotionally connected to the idea of defeating him right like it's no more about hey i I want this president because i think they're going to have better policies or hey i worry about the direction of the country it is a visceral hatred that drives them it's a hatred because they're afraid of it i think he's got the goods on all these crappy people that are in there if he did why not reveal him he will yeah I, i keep hearing that but when he hasn't done it now for 70-plus years of existence. Why would he do it later? He will do it when he needs to. Well, doesn't he need to right he now? He does everything when he needs to. D- d- well, Mary, a little pushback here. 
He should have turned over all the documents inside Mar-a-Lago when they were requested. He didn't do that when well, he needed wait to. wait a minute. What about all the documents of Biden? I, I know. We don't we, hear anything we, about And we can, we can do the whatabouts. I don't have any problem with that. But if the statement you make is he does what he needs to when he needs to, and my response is here's an example when he didn't, the response to that can't be, well, what about Joe Biden? It has to be tell me why Trump's failure or refusal to turn over those documents is evidence of him doing what he needs to do when he needs to do it. He did. He he did he didn't. They actually they, they were they were down there twice going through everything he had and insisted that he put in a special safe and all special locks and all. No, if you no, if no, you remember whatever. if you remember Mary, it, they went down there they met and said, "Hey, we want all your documents." And they said, "Hey, you've got all of our documents." Then they discovered they needed more documents. And they went down and said, "Why didn't you give us all the documents?" Then the attorneys gave them more documents and they're like, "What about these other documents?" And they said, "We don't have them." And then they went and executed a search warrant and they found the other documents. So and again, it, it's not. I'm not. I'm not defending anything about that process. I'm just saying this is a guy who is not perfect, and I'm not, I'm not asking him to be perfect. But it's tough for me when I hear folks say, "I want to defend him because he's flawless on these issues, or he always does what he needs to do." So, getting back to the main point you brought up, and it's important, Mary, is if he has the dirt on all these people, why not give it up now? I mean, the dude's a bit on the ropes when it comes to things like legal stuff. Why not sink their battleship now? Why not reveal the Biden this or the, you know, the the Harris that or the Clinton? Why wait? What's the benefit in waiting? Oh, I don't think it's just Clinton. Uh, uh, Hillary's still running everything. Everything. What does that mean? It's her word. They're still using her. Tell me this. Do you what do you think? No one is signing up for the military now. You know what the next thing they'll do? They'll do the draft. I wonder I how that'll make I don't think they're going to do the draft, Mary. I do think recruiting is an issue. It's not that nobody's signing up. It's that less people are signing up than we need to. Every year the military sets targets and we're not hitting them, and that is a significant concern. And drilling down into why that is matters. But the polling that they've done of service members and those would-be service members doesn't reveal that it is related to who the commander-in-chief is. That's just not the prime reason for them. Well, they get to come home from war all beat up and hurt. And uh, Biden just lets them uh, sit. Trump said, hey, if you don't get 24 hours help veterans, you can go to your private doctor. Well, I, th- I think that I think the VA thing is a real issue, and I appreciate the efforts that President Trump made to um, make the VA response more robust. But that's not the reason that that's not the reason alone that it's happening. What I'm just telling you in response to your statement, Mary, I don't see anything that tells me that people aren't uh, signing up for the military because they'd rather have Trump than Biden or they're so I just haven't seen any numbers that support that. Have people made those I'm- decisions? Could be. Could be, yeah. I, maybe, maybe not necessarily Trump on that, but somebody besides Biden, or they're not going to go to war for that idiot. Yeah. I mean, come on. And, and uh, but, but, you know, in my mind, it all boils down to voting, and that still uh, irritates people. Something's going on when it comes time to vote. It all gets taken care of for well, Biden. I, I presume, Mary, huh? you're going to vote. Yes. Why? Why? I don't know why, to tell you the truth, because I was raised to vote, because we felt that voting was the way that we could 
get what we wanted. I don't know Something tells me, though, it's more than just a reaction to how you were raised, that you're going to vote because you still have faith that that vote matters. Uh, I have to. That's that's it. You have to vote whether it matters or not. But you and, think it's going to matter. That's why you do it. And no, I don't think it's going to matter. So you're just going through the motions. Like you learn, learn about the candidates, learn about the issues, you cast your vote. And then you're like, this is meaningless. I, sh- I might as well just put this in the trash can once I voted because it has no relevance at all. Is that, is that how you think well, about if the election? I had to, if I had to choose between all the people that are running right now, I might vote for Kennedy. Hmm. Kennedy on the, on the Democrat side? Yes, I might. Mm-hmm. You know, because nobody else, nobody else has the name. I don't care how good they are. There yeah. are a lot of them be great vice presidents. None of them are ready to be president, not in this day and age. Mary, I, what I love about the call, and thank you for making it, is the candor. I just love people who call up and say, here's where I'm at, here's what I think. Even if we don't agree, I love folks that call up and answer the questions, and I imagine Carol's going to do that as well. I just cannot take Carol and give her the amount of time that she needs until we get done with this break, and that way we can have a much more free-flowing conversation, and you can join it. 303-696-1971. What did you hear Mary say that resonated with you? And we've got a bunch of texts here. I'll get through those as well. Let me tell you first, though, because I know we have to cut away for a break. I want to tell you about Dan Kaplis. Uh, it's a law firm. Dan's a lawyer. You've heard his name one jillion times. Guy has name recognition statewide and maybe in this region of the country as one of the premier um, civil attorneys out there. And he didn't get it by accident, and he didn't get it by taking out ads on uh, trains or buses or billboards. That's not how Dan got the name and the reputation that he got. He got the name and the reputation because he is ethical, because he's conscientious, he's dedicated, he's empathetic, especially to his victims' uh, plight and their needs. And the dude is a merciless fighter. And I don't mean that to sound uh, unnecessarily aggressive, but when it comes to taking on insurance companies and those people who have harmed his clients, changing their lives forever... You should expect someone that's going to, with a smile on his face, continue to push forward until he gets them to either relent and do what they're supposed to do to achieve justice, or he'll just take them to court and convince a jury to do the right thing. And he and Bobber have been doing that for years, Dan for decades, Bobber for at least a decade and a half now. Uh, If you need a fighter, if you want a fighter, if you want to feel good about the person who's representing you. And remember, he takes cases sometimes for for no money at all, just because it's the right thing to do. How about John and Maria? How about a client that I had that he had me and Bobber go to trial on, never paid us a single penny because he thought it was the right thing to do. Isn't that the guy that you want fighting for you? Now let's move on to my buddy, Dan Kaplis, my former buddy, because he asked me to come back and I said no. And more recently he approached me and I played the sound, what was it, about seven shows ago where he said he'd like to get it all back together but that can't happen he buys his own show i'm not going to work for him when i asked him on my show he said he can't ask me about kyle clark and there aren't going to be limitations and anyway i worry about us coming from very different places dan's always been a zealous advocate for the pro-life movement opposes abortion, wanted his way. Now he has his way in the Supreme Court in a lot of states. 
Now they want six-week bans, stuff like that. I find that terrible for women's rights, which I'm all for. And I always wondered how far people would go if they held the conviction that a zygote is a person and that a pill or an abortion or medical abortion is all the killing of a human. How far will they go to stop it? And I'm afraid that I have found out ruin America far, support Donald Trump far, support Donald Trump because he gave you the three justices to make it happen, sort of Mitch McConnell, and thus fealty to Republicans. But how far will you go? If the Republicans are terrible racists, will you still go with them because they give you what you need? Think about that. I listen occasionally to the Dan Kaplan show because my name gets invoked because that was my real estate for the better part of a decade. And I'm inextricably linked with Kaplan's because the Kaplan's and Silverman show, and I don't want to be linked to anybody who's a racist. We did not do that back in the day. We would not suffer racists like Donald Trump. Anyway, it's what I heard on my short commute. And also, I'm going to keep track of these guys because in this summer of consequence, they are in a powerful position, more powerful than me. But I have my voice, and I'm going to speak out. Let me tell you what's pure QAnon is when they rip Joe Biden unmercifully as a doddering, geriatric who can't do anything. I watched him go to Ukraine. You know, Dan Kaplis says he wants to support Ukraine. That's the most heroic thing I've ever seen a president do. Got bup kids from Kaplis, who I worry is turning his back on Ukraine, which means he's supporting Putin, which is what Donald Trump does. Putin's going to keep fighting this war in hopes that Dan Kaplan and his friends can get Trump over the finish line. That means Ukraine loses. That really saddens me because I, I thought Dan was against Putin, and he still says that he is. But he hates Biden so much, you'd think that Biden was Putin. And the way he belittles the man... He does it on this upcoming segment, and it's unmerciful ripping of Biden with the aid of his sidekick, stooge, producer, the guy who loves Tucker Carlson, the Michigan man who pulls the right-wing sound bites that Dan gets to listen to with the rest of us as he pushes the button and plays Ryan Schuling's production of Tucker Carlson Worshipful Sound. Tucker Carlson, who's been condemned years ago by the ADL for his bigotry, and it's all come out now, and he uses the C word, but he's still a hero on that piece of radio real estate that I once owned proudly with Dan Kaplis, getting paid by Clear Channel, not by Dan Kaplis. Back in the day, they paid us big money instead of people paying for their own show. And then Dan rips anybody who has the temerity to talk anything favorably about Biden or anti-Trump, and Ryan is right there to talk whenever and join in. 
They do it to the first caller named Mike, and then, oh, my God, talk about his cell phone. They love them some Carrie Lake. Dan Kaplis professes his love for Carrie Lake. That's how far this will go. And then Ryan Schuling, again, this gets back to Ukraine. He can't stand Nikki Haley because he considers her a warmonger and a rhino and a neocon. And little does he know that back in the day he was in the Michigan, I mean, Michigan, the Dan Kaplis was on the air with me, the biggest proponent of George Bush and aggressive policies in Iraq, the surge, the this, the that, with me saying, hey, I don't know. Let's see if this war will really work out and stand the test of time. And yet here's Ryan Schuling putting down Nikki Haley for her positions were identical to his boss, Dan Kaplis. It's really something to have a sidekick who's also your employee. I don't think it works well that way. Dan Kaplis makes clear his right to life bona fides. You know, you pronounce that word bona fides or bona fides, and this guy Ryan Schuling likes to say the word. Dan Kaplis reads a text invoking my name, and he can't remember that you can't quit me. He comes from Brokeback Mountain. We had a challenge that I would see Passion of the Christ if he would see Brokeback Mountain because I thought Brokeback Mountain was good because it illustrated that if gay people have to stay closeted, it ruins the lives of those people and women who have gay husbands and then they create families that are disrupted and why can't people just get together with who they love and we debated gay marriage back in the day and I was right and he was wrong but he won't admit that and in their hearts these guys they hate gay marriage and such hostility toward Target and trans and truth be told They hated the Supreme Court for bringing that on as much as they hated them for Roe v. Wade. I want you to hear this because this is episode 150 and I want to make a record on certain things. Like the fact that when you want to cut up a call, there isn't a hard break in the middle of this show. But it's okay. You can say those things. You can laugh. You can talk about Me, you can talk about his beautiful wife, Amy. I love Amy. Dan's family is the best. I wish him the best. I wish he would come around and realize that Donald Trump's antithetical to what we need in this country. This is a good long segment, but wait till you hear the next one. And I'll tell you about the caller, Eric, after you listen first to this amazing end of the show when my name was invoked last Monday. End of the 4 o'clock hour, and then I'll play the start of the 5 when Eric, the caller, makes some great points. Anyway, I was able to cut by $1.7 billion in the first two years the deficit that we uh, were were accumulating 
And uh, because I was able to say to it that say the 55 corporations in America that made 40, $400 billion or $40 billion, $400 billion that uh, they uh, they pay zero in tax. Zero. I mean, he literally can't focus for more than two or three seconds. He can't get a single coherent thought out. And I understand there are some times he's better than that, but there are way too many of these. And even one signals attack mode to the enemy. Mike, what do you think? Well, I, I agree. I think his inability to put together a sentence is only rivaled by Donald Trump. Oh, really? Uh, Donald Trump has never, <laughs> been able to put, he's never been able to put together a sentence. Mike, you're totally uh, low energy. Cards, so. <laughs> how, how did he win all those debates? Because his electorate is stupid. Oh, so we're elevating the conversation. Okay, Michael. Michael, what you just said is the equivalent of waving the white flag, so I'll thank you for that, and we'll look forward to the next conversation. I'm wondering, for Mike, if, let's say, the ticket, and there's a possibility it could be, that if it was Trump with Tim Scott as the vice presidential Mm -hmm. nominee, if Mike would vote for that ticket. Well, and and that is what Tim Scott's running for, right? I think so. And let me say right now, if, if you told me, if you told me that Tim Scott could be president tomorrow, I'd take that in a heartbeat. I think he'd be a tremendous American president. I'd vote for him. I just don't think he has any path to the nomination at this point. Well, let me ask you this. If he is running for vice president, we know there's several in the race like that. Yeah. There's one that's not in the race who is viewed as a very big favorite of Trump's, and that's Carrie Lake. Not going to happen. You and I agree because she lost that she's not viable. But if it were between, let's say, a former favorite of yours, Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, who's the better pick for Trump? You know, I've been thinking about that all afternoon. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I have <laughs> been. Those two exactly. And listen, I wanted Carrie Lake to win that governor's race. So did I. I wish she had. Uh, but but she's not going to be the VP because it, yeah, all sorts of things we'll talk about. But it'd be a real close call between those two because you start with merit. Okay. Both are highly qualified in different ways. Mm-hmm. Then you talk about math. So you go from merit to math. Both expand the tent. Both would be great presidents. To me right now, it'd be a coin flip, literally a coin flip between those two, whether I'm Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. I think those are heads and shoulders above right now for that VP slot. And, I think, uh, And both would make great presidents. I'd rather have Tim Scott right now as president than Nikki Haley, correct. but both would make great presidents. You and I disagree highly on this. I am not high on Nikki Haley at all for a variety of reasons. I think she's a neocon, and I don't I don't like a lot of the stuff she said, in particular about how she would welcome Disney to South Carolina as a shot against DeSantis. I thought that was absolutely quizzical as to why she would go there. But I think just Tim Scott's conservative bona fides are far stronger than Nikki Haley's. Yeah, but, but, I believe in him but, more. But don't fall into that trap, Ryan, right? I mean, Reagan had it right, the 80-20 rule, unless part of that 20 is just such a profound matter of principle like the right to life but issues like that you're never going to agree with everybody on everything right what i'm looking at is you know would they be a great american president overall would you want them as commander in chief you know would they be the kind of of folks who could get the policy success but then you know get that second term and and let the roots sink in let's try to get eric in before the end of the hour oh i have to get to this dan you piss me off tweet sorry eric that's probably only the third time i've ever said that on air and it's all because of this one texter who says for the fourth and final time i'll ever say that on air dan you piss me off i guess that's why i can't quit interesting i don't get that i can't quit you dan
Since Silverman. I can't quit since Silverman and when you married Amy. Anyway, you're right like a broken clock. I can relate. Keep it up. So I think a lot of people listen you, because you Eric married Amy. What a great choice by you. Oh, and a bad one by her, but I'll take it. You always want to marry somebody who's only made one mistake in their life, and it was you. You're on the Dan Kaplan Show. And now we get to a funny part of the show. Eric in Greenwood Village eventually gets to come on, but when you play it on the podcast, which is what I do, it's preceded, I think, by an ad about the future of psychedelic medicine. Yeah. Advertising on Dan's show on Salem, where they won't allow any liquor ads or sports wagering ads because they have their morality right. You know what? MAGA is the opposite of morality. But here's one thing that Dan and I agreed on and had a lot of fun with sports. Dan Kaplis and I are both overgrown jocks, and I love basketball, played in college. Dan went to his seminary, I guess. They didn't have a team, but his dad was a big-time player, and we both loved the Nuggets. And he was, you'll hear the sound of him talking about the Nuggets. But he says things in a different way than I would, especially about Florida, the travel advisory issued by the NAACP. Dan says he knows better for black people than that group, and that black people are smart and will align with Trump and DeSantis. It's like George Orwell's 1984. But you got Ryan Schuling as the Echo Squad. The sidekick paid to agree, and boy does he, because he's to the right of Dan. I know Dan. I thought I did. Ryan Schuling loves him some DeSantis, even after that goof up. What a terrible announcement on Twitter. But they finally get to the caller, Eric in Greenwood Village who starts timid, saying, I'm going to be a devil's advocate, and nonetheless aggravates Dan when he says that, hey, I think there might be some racism on your side of the fence. Dan comes into full, I support Donald Trump mode, and it's unfortunate. And he challenges Eric that he didn't bring any examples of anything, therefore his case is dismissed. And he ends with, nobody should be killed before birth, abortion, of course, part of everything. And this is one of those moments where I wished, hey, I'd like to be there to just give you a few examples, Dan. Maybe with some sound illustrations. Yeah, looking like LA today. Think about that, Ryan. If we were at the Nuggets game tonight, game four, you hit up clearer air than we do right now in uh, Front Range of Colorado. Remarkable, all because of those Canadian fires, obviously. But this is about a typical, at least midday in Southern California, right? Definitely. Yeah, we're not going to do Nuggets X and O's, but as I've said before, and we've been talking about for about six weeks here, I'll make it four weeks. You know, this is a special time, special team. Doesn't mean they're going to win it all, even though it looks like now they will. But but it's just one of those moments that probably never repeats itself. So just so much fun right now. So we will enjoy it together. 855-405-8255, the number. Text Dan 57739. Lots going on if you just joined us. Thank you. We've been talking about uh, the NAACP. And, and I'm old enough at this point, still a young buck, but old enough to remember 
uh, the NAACP as being one of these these core prestigious you know institutions in America and 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 to see it now used for this political hackery of of claiming that that somehow uh, African Americans should not go to Florida or African Americans need to be advised that Florida is hostile to African Americans is is just such an abuse just such an abuse and misuse of the NAACP's proud history. And so when you hear the NAACP's president, Derek Johnson, come out and say this, clearly just being used as a political hack against Ron DeSantis, you, you just imagine some of these great former leaders back in the day just spinning in their graves. You just heard uh, the words of DeSantis himself calling this call by the NAACP a stunt. How do you respond? Well, the governor has uh, perfected the art of doing stunts to gain campaign contributions. Unfortunately, this will impact people's lives. Uh, we should not use race or othering as a tool to weaponize against people. And unfortunately, for a large percentage of the Floridians, that's what he has done. Therefore, how? Wait, where are the specifics there? It's exactly what the Democrats are doing nationwide, including in Colorado, but. How has DeSantis done it? And as Ryan pointed out, reeling off statistics till it'll make your head spin very admirably. You know, DeSantis did very, very well among, you know, voters of color in his state who got a chance to see him up close. It's another reason why President Trump's attack on DeSantis handling of COVID isn't going to go very far because the people who lived under DeSantis got their say. We are advising African-Americans and others that if you travel to Florida, beware that your life is not valued, that we have a political landscape that could cause harm as we prepare for the 2024 elections. Yeah, political landscape that could cause harm as we prepare for the elections. It's obvious Derek Johnson is allowing the NAACP to be used as as just political hackery. And, and that is so sad given again the history of the organization but as with all of these other attacks ryan for example i saw a big headline on one of the websites i can't remember which you know just just talking about how disney takes aim at desantis as if that's something desantis should be fearing right this is all a gift this attack this naacp attack on desantis is a gift because again while this naacp president insults the intelligence of black people you know Black people are going to see the reality of this. And, and across the spectrum in America, this fundamentally false and unfair attack on DeSantis is just going to help him. Just like Disney's attack on DeSantis, certainly going to help him in the primary. And, and I've got to believe that there are many people, Ryan, if if they pay no attention to politics, just looking at the product Disney is putting out in some examples. There are a lot of people across the political spectrum right now who don't think as much of Disney as they once did. Dan, there were Democrats who were polled in the wake of Ron DeSantis doing what he did in fighting that culture war battle against Disney. Democrats, by a majority, favored DeSantis when it comes to sexualization of children in the classrooms. They don't want that. And so these attacks on DeSantis, you're right, they only serve to empower him further. The people that know him best, to your point, Dan, voted for him by a 60-40 margin. No Republican candidate for governor 
has ever won by as large of a margin as DeSantis just did, ever in the history of the state of Florida. Yeah, and keep in mind, the left is also attacking Tim Scott, who happens to be African-American, but has has the courage to stand up for the policies that are actually going to help African-Americans and and everyone. So Tim Scott entering the race today, we've been playing some of that sound and will continue to because I think it's universal except for one texter. I should never say anything other than the church is universal, right? Uh, But um, yeah, this texter after Tim Scott says, Dan, unfortunately, Tim Scott is an amnesty and a police reform guy. And all I would say to the texter is, listen, you're not going to be able to find a candidate you don't have some disagreements with. And and so look at the bigger picture. I'd be thrilled with Tim Scott as president, but not going to happen now. Right. He's he's truly running for vice president. And as Ryan and I were talking about earlier, for me, at least it'd be a coin toss between Tim Scott and Nikki Haley as VP for either Trump or DeSantis, since one of the two is going to be the nominee. Eric in Greenwood Village, you're on the Dan Kaplan show. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thanks sure. for having me on. Sure thing. I just wanted to uh, maybe play devil's advocate a little bit uh, regarding the conversation about race and how it's playing out for the 2024 election. I do Wonderful. think that Tim Scott, it would be great if he was the uh, the GOP nominee. It would be great. I mean, it would steal some of the uh, identity politics, uh, politics thunder from the Democrats, I think, for sure. Um, but you know, you said something, you said that you, you made a point of saying that just not too long ago in America, uh, black, a black, there are some places black people couldn't go, uh, or, or if they did, they could be, they could be in fear for their mm-hmm. very lives. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think, you know, within that statement is a kind of a, a, a theological extension of that would be that, you know, if that, if that was going on not too long ago, then we aren't exact, haven't, haven't exactly healed all the race problems and all the racism in America. And it seems to me that, you know, right now you got you sort of have two choices, or there are two storylines. One is that America is evil and white people are all racist and, uh, you know, that sort of thing, the identity politics driving people apart sort of narrative. And But then the... Uh, sort of conservative response to that always seems to be, or many times seems to be, the downplay, uh, you know, the uh, whoa, whoa, racism. Big, big fella, let me, let me jump in for a second. You know, please give me specific examples of that on the conservative side, because on the left, I can show you over and over again every single day as we speak, Eric, my friend, uh, systemic racism, which is driven by the Democrats and their policies, starting with abortion. And then if they don't kill them before birth, then they're going to hold them down, you know, through opposing school choice and then on and on and on. So I can show you with facts that systemic racism driven by the Democratic Party. But but show me the conservatives, show me, my good friend, the conservatives who are somehow minimizing what racism does still exist now. And there is some for sure. But we have made quantum leaps. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't I can't think of it, honestly, and that's my fault. No, no, it's it's not your fault. It's not your fault because I don't think it exists. Doesn't mean you can't find a Yahoo here and there who says something stupid. But conservatism in general is not trying to downplay racism. It's doing what I'm doing. It's saying, hey, 
Look at here. We got massive racism and it's being driven by Jared Polis and Michael Bennett and John Hickenlooper and Joe Biden. Massive systemic racism still exists. But racism in the heart of the American people, Eric? No, we have made quantum leaps there. There's still some unfortunate vestiges, but it's a very tiny percentage of loser wackos. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, uh, again, if, if it was such a huge problem not too long ago, there has to be vestiges of it and problems hanging around still. But I agree with you that, that, the, uh, that the, you know, the, there's a lot of insidious racism in, in the Democrat Party, but you make that point very well. But who, 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 uh, what high-profile uh, Republican is making that point effectively? Yeah, Trump certainly Trump certainly doesn't. I mean, and I think part of that is well, because he owes well, some of Eric, his. You, sorry to interrupt, but we're coming up on a hard break. I'd respectfully disagree. Donald Trump infamously stood up and said, what the hell do you have to lose? And made real strides among people of color. But more than anything, Eric, he delivered. He delivered progress on every front, starting with doing everything he could to make sure that they aren't killing african-americans before birth which they do at a rate of five to one for every white who's killed and nobody should be killed before birth i'd start with his attorney yeah donald trump's attorney michael cohen he knew him well worked for him for a decade he said he'd do anything for the guy and then trump turned on cohen and cohen told the truth i think cohen's a decent guy at heart i listened to his podcast and he testified under oath before Congress. And here, here's an example, Dan, of some racism by Donald Trump. Mr. Trump is a racist. The country has seen Mr. Trump court white supremacists and bigots. You have heard him call poorer countries shitholes. His private, in private, he is even worse. He once asked me if I can name a country run by a black person that wasn't a shithole. This was when Barack Obama was president of the United States. And while we were once driving through a struggling neighborhood in Chicago, he commented that only black people could live that way. And he told me that black people would never vote for him because they were too stupid. And yet, I continued to work for him. And how about this one, Dan? Maybe you watched this debate. You thought Trump won those debates? Why? When he said that stuff about the Proud Boys? Did you think maybe that should, you know, raise the hair on the back of your neck if you really don't like racists? Because the Proud Boys are racist. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Are you prepared to to specifically do it? I I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing. Not from the right so wing. So what are you? What are you? Look, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I'm, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right like me to condemn? White proud supremacists boys. and right proud, proud boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This own is a left wing. 
And then how about this for an example, Dan? Do you know who Nick Fuentes is? He's a buddy of Michelle Malkin. You've had her on a lot. Nick Fuentes is a groper. He's a neo-Nazi. He got invited to Thanksgiving table at Mar-a-Lago with Kanye West. Kanye West, who's a noted anti-Semite. Is Donald Trump just one of those yahoos you were talking about with Eric? Those outliers? Donald Trump had these Jew haters to his holiday dinner table at Mar-a-Lago. Maybe you missed it. Donald Trump facing growing backlash tonight to his dinner last week with prominent white nationalist Nick Fuentes at his private Mar-a-Lago club. Some of the strongest condemnation coming from his former vice president. President Trump was wrong uh, uh, to give uh, a white nationalist uh, um, an anti-Semite and a Holocaust denier a seat at the table. And uh, I think he should apologize. Republican politicians and Jewish groups now among those calling out the former president. This is uh, something which degrades him, frankly, to do what he's done and, and is something which diminishes the country as well. It's very unfortunate. I mean, yes, it's appalling. Yes, it's unconscionable. And yes, it's entirely in character for Donald Trump. The Holocaust-denying podcaster Fuentes arriving at Mar-a-Lago as a guest of rapper Ye, formerly known as Kanye West, himself engulfed in controversy for past anti-Semitic remarks. West describing their dinner with Mr. Trump in this since-deleted Twitter video. So Trump is really impressed with Nick Fuentes. And Nick Fuentes, unlike so many of the lawyers and so many people that he was left with on his 2020 campaign. In a series of social media posts, Mr. Trump denied knowing Fuentes and said he used the dinner to advise West to stay out of politics. All of this an unwelcome distraction for Republicans looking to rally around their Senate candidate, Herschel Walker, facing off against Democratic incumbent Raphael Warnock in that runoff in Georgia. More than 180,000 people have already voted ahead of next week's Election Day. Well, we haven't got all day. And there's another soundbite I want to play of Dan Kaplis. But let me just give you maybe one or two more examples of possible racism on the part of I don't know, a not-so-isolated conservative named Donald J. Trump, the presumptive nominee of the KK, I mean, of the GOP. Come on, please, Dan. Do you know Amanda Gorman, that beautiful African-American adolescent who gave the inaugural poem at the Biden uh, inaugural? You remember her? Kamala Harris got inaugurated too. Now people want her poems taken out of schools in Florida. Do you support that? For the author of The Hill We Climb, do you remember when Trump called that federal judge unfair because he was a Mexican who thought, oh my gosh, Trump has been proven fraudulent with his claims about Trump U to the tune of, of $25 million in luck? I'm not blameless. I voted for the guy after that. Horrible on my part. I did have some introspection after Charlottesville. You remember that? When he said there are good people on both sides. Turning point for me. I thought I saw racism. I still think so. The other night on CNN when he talked about separating families at the border. He's going to do it again, says it's effective. He called that Officer Bird, who saved 
the House, the House of Representatives, when uh, Ashley Babbitt was trying to break in, he went on CNN, Trump did, and called that heroic black officer a thug. How about that for racism? How about when he talked about shithole countries? How about back in the day when he and his dad put C for colored on the rental applications that were going to be denied at every Trump property? And he had to hire Roy Cohn to fix that deal. How about him denying that he knew David Duke? How about him going on the racist Alex Jones Infowars show to win? Hey, did you hear the start of CNN when he said the whole election was rigged in Detroit, Atlanta, Philly, every black-dominated city he could think of? Of course, they're the cheaters. He's called Alvin Bragg, the DA in New York, a racist. Bonnie Willis, a racist. He hangs around with Rudy Giuliani. That's his lawyer who was just exposed as a racist and an anti-Semite by the latest woman he's paid to hang around him and sleep with him and to hear what he says when he's drunk, which is all the time. And QAnon is racist, fellas. And Dan, when he called it Kung Flu, that was racist. You did a show on that, what's racist about that? Holy cow. And the way he accuses Jews of dual loyalty and Tucker Carlson being part of his crowd and that whole grab him by the pussy thing, which he just reconfirmed. Is that cool with you? Is it cool to have this racism transferred down to the Douglas County schools where kids have to leave because it's so awful? Same in Cherry Creek for Jewish kids. Do you remember what he said about the squad and told them to go back to their own country? Do you remember any of this? Because if Eric from Greenwood Village didn't have a few answers for you, I would have had plenty. But are you an honest broker anymore? Please be an honest broker. Your country counts on you guys. And I'm telling you, these criminal charges are coming, and they will turn to George Brockler and Dan Kaplis and maybe to Peter Boyles and Corcoran. Oh, my God, Randy Corcoran who will swill that MAGA bullshit. He's getting his ass sued up appropriately, but it's so slow. They're all counting on Trump winning by hook or by crook. And how about the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys convicted of seditious conspiracy against our country, and Donald Trump is prepared to pardon them, and you guys won't speak up? I'm going to cut it off here because now I'm getting worked up. It's a time for choosing, fellas. It's the summer of consequence. Are we going to have a rule of law or not? We need lawyers to make it happen. Colorado lawyers. Colorado lawyers with microphones. Shabbat Shalom. Chag Sameach. Shavuot. May you have a meaningful Memorial Day. Thanks for listening to this segment full of sound. And we'll end it with Dan Kaplis. Dan Kaplis, I want to make a record of what everybody's saying at this time right before Memorial Day. And I think this one is instructive too, and sadly so. Because I'm 67 years old, and I want my kids to have a good future. I want America to have a great future. I want one as well. Dan is turning 66. Well, he is 66. May is over. Happy birthday, Dan. 
I thought I'd heard every story of Dan Kaplitz, who's an interesting guy, and he has some far left streaks beyond me where he wants the Nuggets to give tickets to the working people, and he tells a story that I'd never heard before, and I thought I heard them all about George Hallis gave him season tickets, him and his family, because he wrote a letter. I never heard that. All those shares talking about Tim Tebow and Ryan Schuling reacts with some incredulity, but hey, you listen to it. There's an Irvin Joe reference. God, I love Dirk Brown. My dad helped train him. And then ironically, he talks about St. Gail Sayers. He's not sure, but I'm sure that I saw Gail Sayers at CU Folsom Field, first time that I ever saw a college football game. Then they bring up Billy Joel. Ryan Schilling says Billy Joel's one of us. Really? Billy Joel put on a Jewish star of David after Charlottesville because he wanted to protest MAGA and the racism involved. And then I heard for the first time, honest to goodness, I thought I knew every Dan Kaplan story about him being in the front row at a Bruce Springsteen concert after he won a trial or whatever. Anyway, Dan Kaplis, let's say he has a good heart for the working people. Why doesn't he ask Donald Trump to let working people play Bedminster or Trump National? I don't think that's happening. And then Dan has championed the King Supers 5 at a local King Supers, one I shop at, where employees got fired because they uh, got physical with a guy who was stealing stuff from the store and it was against the policy. But Dan is organizing protests of that firing. Maybe he's wrong, maybe he's right. I don't know. I need to know the facts. But I do know about Billy Joel, and I do know about Ryan Schuling after listening to these guys. And I know that there are problems that uh, we need to address. Give a listen to Dan Kaplis. Thanks for listening to this segment. I think it's instructive to make these records. Yeah, and the American way I submit to you is compassionate capitalism. And, and this conversation triggered today by two things. First, the latest goofiness from the teachers union, which released this statement. It's the official position of the largest Colorado K-12 teachers union. Sounds like right out of the mouth of Karl Marx, condemning capitalism in the strongest possible terms, etc. So we had that conversation. Uh, but then the other is is where we look at capitalists who have been very successful and have done a great service for the community. I just think they need to take another step and, and talking about pro sports ownership and it's triggered by the nuggets. Okay. They, and you don't have to care about basketball to care about this topic, but as you know, they're in the NBA finals now and even better, they got there with what appears to be a really great group of guys, because you know, you can make it to the super bowl, the finals of this or that, and have a lot of bums on your team. That's not the case here. Appears to be a great group of guys, get along well, they play hard, they play right, they play together, and they're really talented. That makes it extra fun. And then you have a first-class organization in every way, the the Kroenke Sports Organization, first-class in every way, tremendous experience when you go to games. Now, you got two big gaping holes, right? The first is the games are not on TV. And everybody involved in that, I'm not talking about the postseason, that's on TV nationally, but the regular season games should be on TV. 
Start with the governor. Start with the mayor. Start with the broadcast people. Then you go to the team. They've got to find a way to fix it. But as it pertains to these playoffs, all I'm saying is this. This first-class organization, capitalism at its finest, needs to take a voluntary step as, as to the Broncos, as do the Rockies, as do every other major sports team across the country, and show respect for the working people who built your franchises. None of these teams would exist. None of these teams would be here. None of these teams would be worth anywhere near this much without the rabid support of working people. So give them some access when it comes to the postseason. And right now at these prices, there is not access. That's all I'm saying. 855-405-8255, the number. Now, I'd love your thoughts on this, the kind of it takes a village thing in a good way. How would you do it? Let's say a sports owner was going to do that. How would you do that? And have a great suggestion here from Alexa, but I'll get to that in a minute. I want to deliver on this tease. I was telling Ryan, and I asked that on air before the break, that when I was in high school, when I was in high school in Chicago, Quigley South Preparatory Seminary, uh, my dad was a Chicago police officer. He was for 30 years. And he was the biggest Bears fan you would ever find. A lot of people would call themselves that. That would probably be true, too. They were probably all tied for it. And the team was owned by probably the most iconic owner, I'd say, in American sports history, George Hallis. You know, what essentially a founder of the NFL. And so I wrote a letter to George Hallis. And I said, this is just wrong. You know, my dad, a Chicago cop, you know, can't get a ticket to a Bears game. And you got all these rich people there who don't even care about the team. This is just wrong because it's, it's working people like my dad, you know, who who are the backbone of, of this team and its support. So I'm sitting around one day and it's snail mail days and I get this letter and I open it up and it's a letter from George House. And I, I wish I still, oh, let me take that back. My mistake. It was a letter from his secretary, which was still pretty cool. And his secretary said, hey, Mr. Hallis read your letter and he agrees. And here are two season tickets to the Bears Whoa, for your dad. Season tickets. And he's welcome to keep them as long as he wants. Wow. In perpetuity. Yeah. Perpetuity. That's the word that was not used in the letter from George Hallis <laughs> via his secretary. And uh, that's your... what I'm talking about. He didn't have to do that. No. That's what I'm talking about. What was your dad's reaction to that? Oh, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember, Ryan. I honestly, I mean, it was really great, but I can't remember that exact moment I told him. Yeah. So I, I but it was obviously. Do you remember, you know, the but, first Bears game that you went to with him after that? Oh, I remember not to sound like Irvin Joe, you know, I think one of the great sports shows ever. I remember being with my dad because he could show his badge. Right. And he could get in standing room. His Chicago police badge. I remember us standing on a bitter cold day in the left field bleachers at Wrigley Field wow. watching George, uh, watching uh, Gail Sayers. Gail Sayers, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. But that's my youngest memory. Yes. That's so awesome. Maybe a false memory, but that's my youngest memory. But see, that's what we're talking about, Dan. That memory that was forged oh, yeah. there yeah. is impossible for a lot of working right. class families right, right now right. to form those. Right. No, that's right. Even for routine games. So that's all I'm saying. Listen, these four, sports franchises are increasing. The value is increasing at such a rapid rate, and it's not going backwards, right? I mean, what, this this horrible Washington team just sold for $6 billion, the Broncos for 4.5. The Denver Nuggets, even before this playoff run, 
increased 206 million in value in the last 12 months. So all these professional teams have the room in their budget to just do something respectful for working people. That's all I'm talking about. Listen to this from Alexa, Ryan. Dan, I love what Billy Joel does for concerts where he does not sell tickets for the first two rows. Then before the show, he has his team go find real fans from the nosebleed sections and gives those real fans the front row tickets. It's exactly that's what you're talking Alexa. about. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. Love yeah. Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah. No, that's but right. He, he's one of us, though, Dan. You know, he comes yeah. from those kind of working class roots in New York. He, he doesn't forget where he came from. You know, the song Allentown, just that one alone. Yeah. You know, he he's a guy that's still plugged in, I think, to the common man. And you, know, you and I went to Bruce Springsteen well, together. I was There's just going to say, yeah, I right. got one of the dirtiest looks of my life. Because, you know, you know, those real stink eye stares. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I got one of the dirtiest looks of my life from Bruce Springsteen. And I was, I, I wasn't going to go to his concert. It was at um, the old McNichols wasn't going to go to his concert because I was in court. And at the very last minute, you know, that the case went real well and then we got it resolved early. So I said, holy cow. And I called up the lady I was dating. Then I said, let's try to go to Springsteen. So managed to find two tickets from a scalper that just happened to be front row. So this is all coming down in the last few hours. Now, listen, this is back in the day where from a scalper front row tickets to Springsteen may have been 150 bucks oh. or 200 bucks. But anyway, here's the point. We end up in the front row, Springsteen, over at McNichols. You know me, Ryan. I, I'm I'm a typical Irish guy. I have all this great athletic <laughs> ability, not to be a jerk, but I do. But I can't dance. I can dance, but I won't dance. And so I'm in the front row at Springsteen. And everybody around me is gyrating like they're on American Bandstand. And I'm just standing there like Al Gore. And I'll never forget, man, it's like 20 seconds ago, he just looks at me with the most hateful look like, what are you doing in my front row? <laughs> you know what I mean? I could have been at a wake. And he did not like that, and I don't blame him. So you weren't exactly dancing so, in the dark. No, but, but yeah. Anyway, I'm better at that. Anyway, the um, great suggestion there. Great suggestion there. Dan, capitalism, market value, supply and demand, the price is the price. I'm not asking for government intervention here. I'm asking for these team owners, most of whom have done an excellent job. I'm just asking for them to take one additional step to show respect for the working people who are the backbone of their franchise and for whom this opportunity to make gazillions wouldn't exist without them. And I'm not talking about monopoly in a legalistic sense. I don't want any government action here. But these are monopolies, right? I mean, yeah, Pepsi Center is not publicly funded. Now Ball Arena, Mile High, and, and Coors Field were. But, but in a, there's only one sports team, major league sports team in each town, unless you're Chicago or New York. And... And it's an access issue. So all I'm asking for is, is some heart. And I think capitalism is a, with a heart is the way many, many capitalists in America practice, the way they live their lives. Many, many, many small businesses, capitalism with a heart. That's all I'm asking for is just a little bit of give here from people who are otherwise doing everything overall really well most of the time. 
Dan, they should be able to charge whatever they want for tickets, no different than Disney charging 3000 a night for their Star Wars hotel. Are they really doing that, oh, Ryan? Man, I don't know. Oh, and consumers made oh. their voice heard. Now the hotel is shutting down. <laughs> I want to get to some more of these texts, but um, I, I want to talk about a couple of other things in the next segment. I want to update you on what's going on with our fight for the King Supers 5 and preview a show we're going to have tomorrow on that. And then, Ryan... One of the few questions in the universe you have not pondered, and I'm guessing most folks kind enough to listen have not thought about. And I want to get your take after the break. Call 855-405-8255. Talk to Shannon Scott in for Kelly today. Or text Dan 57739. I just learned Tim Scott, age 57, has never been married. Does that mean that he is not a viable candidate for president. Will America elect a man or woman who has never been married? 855-405-8255 on the Dan Kaplan Show. Is that that's the down easter alexa by billy joel mm. and that's in tribute mm. to alexa who mm. te- texted us about wow. billy joel and the front row tickets wow. that he reserves that. for the nosebleed seat havers wow that is next level stuff <laughs> my next level stuff yeah this text i assume is on the tim scott subject if you just joined us thank you we got a few different things working right now One is, should major sports teams owners voluntarily make sure that tickets stay accessible to working people, at least a significant number of them, uh, especially during the postseason when these prices get crazy. So we've got that out there. You'll hear some text on that. And we'd love your thoughts. 855-405-8255. You can text Dan 57739. This next text coming in. On uh, Tim Scott, learned today, Senator Tim Scott, who I like in every way. I'm sure we've got some little policy wrinkle somewhere, but but really love this guy. Be very happy to have him as president. But, but, do you agree with me that America will not elect him because he has never been married? And I don't mean that as any kind of negative. I just mean it as an objective political observation. Mm. I don't think America is going to elect a man or woman who has never been Mary. Oh, but Dan. 855-405-825. It has nothing to do with sexuality. But does it have to do with history? And, and I'm not because suggesting you know how, anything about his sexuality at all. Not, but if we go back in history, Dan, you love it when I do this. I do. We have had a bachelor president. Wow. Only one. Can you name him? So I've only been proven wrong once. Well, no, no, no not just okay. that. It's just that it has happened. Bill Clinton. You know, <laughs> well, he lived his life like a bachelor. It would not be one you would probably guess. It was from the mid 1800s. Mm, of course, yes. yes, right. Yeah, just just prior. Yeah, to Abraham Lincoln. Now, was this bachelor really a bachelor, or just somebody who preferred? We don't multiple know that. Well, Shannon and I were talking about that during the break, yeah. and I think in the 1850s, it probably wasn't going to be acceptable for him to come out as whatever he was. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but he was a bachelor for his say, entire who life. Was this James Buchanan. Huh was a bachelor his entire life huh. 
Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, I just, so it did happen. Well, how about modern times? <laughs> Do you think modern America is going yeah. to elect a man or woman? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not talking about sexuality issues. I am certainly not concluding from this that Tim Scott is gay. I've never seen any hint of that. I'm not concluding that. Mm. I, I just, sexuality issues aside... I don't think America's going to do that. Do you remember? It's, it's too divorced from the common experience. You that just used have. the word I was oh, going to okay. go to, Dan. So, do you remember one of the main attacks against Ronald Reagan in 1980 by the left? <laughs> no, was that he was divorced and that we had never had oh, a wow. divorced president, wow. and he won rather easily. Which leads to a broader question. I'd love to hear from folks from, on it, which is. Do you think there's been a seismic change in America? Not a little change, but a, an enormous, enormous Grand Canyon size change in whether people care about the personal morality of the candidate. So Ryan mentioned the divorce thing, which I I don't think you'll tell me maybe I'm wrong, is on the radar of most American voters anymore. Uh, whether a candidate has had an affair in the past, I, I don't think is a top priority for most American voters anymore. You may tell me I'm wrong on that as well. Whether it is or not, should it be? 855-405-8255, text Dan 57739. So on this Tim Scott thing, Dan, sadly, most women are not as awesome as your wife. Given some of the women I know, maybe he's smarter than many men for not being married. <laughs> he can golf whenever he wants yeah. or have a poker night without an argument. Uh, lots of uh, laughs. Alexa, P.S. Marriage obviously can be awesome, but I assume he never found the right person. Thank you, Alexa. Great, uh, great text there. Uh, Tim Scott's quote on this. And again, I'm very, very high on Tim Scott. What did he say about all this? Quote. There's always time for a great relationship with a wonderful woman, Scott told NBC News on Monday when asked about his love life. I'll leave it there. <laughs> so it may just be that he's a variety guy. So there you have it. Thanks for listening. Dan and George and Peter and Randy and whoever, or Roz Kaminsky, if you guys take the time to listen. Realize you have great responsibilities with your microphones. People turn to you for wisdom and guidance. Use your power well. Thanks, fellas. Hey, everybody. For all of your legal needs, why not start with me? 734-7156. 303-734-7156. I've been practicing law in Colorado for over 42 years years and i know a lot of people and if i can't do right by you i can steer you in the right direction my number 303-734-7156 ask for craig craig silverman a voice for victims a voice for people with legal difficulties Denver is lucky. Two great candidates, Kelly Bruff and Michael Johnston. I like them both a lot. They were good enough to come on my show. And episodes 134 introduced you to Kelly Bruff. Episode 136, Michael Johnston. They laughed freely, easily back then. Now it's gotten tight. They both came back on. Kelly Bruff came on, and ladies first, let's hear her laughter during her second appearance.
Kelly Brook is an interesting, accomplished person. I got to know her during this campaign, and I was a recipient, a surprise recipient of one of her hugs. We've met a time or two. She came to my house, my home studio. My dogs loved her. So when I saw her at the Jewish Forum, Mike Johnston wasn't there. He had COVID at the time. She gave me a nice, warm hug, which I liked. Who doesn't like a nice, warm hug? As a guy at 6'5 in my prime, I never went about hugging people, but I know people who did normally may rest in peace this Memorial Day weekend. He was a city leader. Kelly Bruff may be the next mayor of Denver. Let's hear what makes her laugh. It's maybe when I talk to her about being a people person. Kelly Bruff really likes campaigning, and she said she likes these house parties. And I told her I believed her, because it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it is for her. Listen to that exchange and hear her laughter. You're an undeniably warm people person, so I believe you when you say that you really like those interactions. Not everybody (laughs) would. Not everybody would. Yeah, I told someone recently, if you run for office, you should only do it if you really like people. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Speaking of people, what about Mike Johnston? He's a person. He is a person. So, Michael Johnston, the question, will he hug her, her hug him, vice versa? Listen to Kelly Bruff's lap-billed response. I hug him every time I see him. Do you hug him super close or just standard close? Do you have degrees of hugging? I'm a big hugger, Craig. I, I hug know. him like I hug <laughs> Kelly Brough makes no excuses for being a hugger, nor should she. I think it's endearing. This is one I brought up that Mike Johnston was a member of Skull and Bones, and she had been a hard scrabble youth in eastern Montana. Worked to the local Dairy Queen before saving 10K to go to Montana State. I teased her about her own secret society, much like Skull and Bones. It got me a giggle. And for you too, the audience, I like Kelly Bruff. Will you tell the truth about the secret society you were in at that Montana Dairy Queen where you <laughs> somehow accumulated $10,000? <laughs> Well, you can imagine, I'm going to guess Michael Johnston and I had two very different experiences in college. Hey, Mike Johnston has great personality as well. He laughs easily, a little more easily before the tents run off. But nonetheless, when he came back on a few weeks ago, he was in an upbeat mood. And why not? After all, he got the most votes the first go round. I don't know who's going to win, but I like them both. Give a listen as Mike Johnston shares with us some laughter as I talked about some projects he needed to fix, DIA, Lodo, and then I brought up the Colorado Rockies unexpectedly, and he laughed. Gosh, those are three things that need some fixing, DIA, Lodo, and the Rockies, but we'll get around to that. (laughs) And then Mike Johnston laughed again as I talked about his endorsement by prior podcast guest, former Denver Mayor Federico Pena, 
Mike Johnston said he hoped that his reign in office would parallel the good fortune of Federico Pena, who arrived with John Elway, and Bronco's success followed. Mike Johnston laughed at that prospect. Give a listen. Baltimore Colts draft pick decided to defect and come to Denver, and John Elway landed in the hands of the Denver Broncos and started the golden era of the Denver Broncos. So if we can bring around that transformation uh, as well, that would be my best possible parallel to Federico Pena. (laughs) But here's the most genuine laughter, because he was tickled that Morgan Carroll came on my show and endorsed Mike Johnston for Mayor Morgan Carroll, Colorado Democrat Party Chair, so successful for six years, and now she's endorsing her fellow former senator, Mike Johnston. That was a big day for Mike, and it made him laugh as he listened to my podcast. By it, I got the chance to serve with Morgan, um, and she... And she's just been a great progressive champion on all sorts of issues for decades in this city and this state. And so I was incredibly honored to have her support. Um, and yeah, that was, that was her, you made my day with that interview. <laughs> so there you have it, the Denver mayoral candidates. What a great crew. They laugh. They give me access. They give you access. I think Denver has two good choices. Best of luck to both of them. I don't get to vote, but maybe you do. Make a good choice. Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, You know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and, you know, meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer, you will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. 
Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. What a great ride. Episode 150, fantastic. Thanks to the people who make it happen. My puppies, Skyler and Ico, doing their guard duty. Troubadour Dave Cunders, fantastic. My producers through the years, so special, especially our first-class guy right now. You've heard his name, Brad, a time or two. He makes it happen. Thank you, Bradley. I love it that you listen. Tell a friend, please subscribe. 150 down, more to go. We need to save America and Colorado. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. Happy Memorial Day. Or should I say, have a meaningful Memorial Day. Happy Shavuos. And let's save America. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.